I'm Phil Reed from Steve Jackson Games, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Jessica are joined by special guest Mike Shea, aka Sly Flourish, to talk about D&D Beyond and Walled Gardens. In the news, D&D announcements from PAX Unplugged, MCDM's new RPG on Backer Kit tops 1 million in a day, Pathfinder 2nd Edition has a charity bundle, and more! Plus, a brand new sketch about the wondrous inventions of a rather mundane artificer. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. It says here that this establishment serves only the finest real ale and the best meat pies this side of Grim Harbor. Well, I can tell you that I visited this establishment a number of times a few years ago. I was part of a gaming group, but we had a falling out that was never resolved. Anyway, their beer tastes like battle water, and their cocktail selection is almost non-existent. I'm fairly sure that their meat pies are made from rat meat. I was terribly ill after eating one. Anyway, if you feel you have to visit this festering hovel of a tavern, you'll find it just outside the western gate of Thorniston's Hale, the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. Who even comes up with these names? It's ridiculous. All the tabletop role-playing news, we aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse, and Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ. And with me this week is. It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing. Uh, we are Minus a Peter, but Minus a Peter, we have a returning guest. We did not terrify them away last time. He is back. Mike Shea is joining us this week. Hi, Mike. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we tried our best to terrify you away, but you came back. Oh, yeah, that's all good. What, what went wrong there? Nothing. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Enjoyed it. So how have we all been this week? We uh, we were at Dragon Meat last weekend. Sold some books, mm-hmm. saw some people, mm-hmm. Jessica caught COVID. Ebola or something. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I, came, I tested for COVID before I went to check, although I didn't have it, so I don't go to an event and give people COVID because that seems like a socially responsible thing to do. I went, I didn't, and then I came back, and this week I, I now do, which is why I sound the way that I do this week. Yay! So yeah, just uh, if you're gathering with people this holidays, uh, just keep testing and make sure you're healthy. Mm. Sounds like sounds like a good like good advice. Yeah. 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 Right. Anyway. Anyway, should we do some news? Yes. So last week, um, I currently have a dog trying to jump up on the desk. Oh yeah. Also it. joining us on this week's podcast is two yes. rambunctious dogs that are penned into <laughs> Russ's office because there's Christmas decorating going on in the rest of the house. And yes. For some reason, those two dogs they have, a, they have opinions about the TTRPG industry. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, those two dogs could not be trusted. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you do hear whining and barking in the background, there's not a lot we can do about that. I would say I'm sorry, but I'm not really. Oh, oh. <laughs> so as well as, as Dragon Me though, getting on to TTRPG news, PAX Unplugged happened and Wizards yeah. of the Coast said several things. So this yep. is interesting because uh-huh. this was like, we finished our podcast last week uh-huh. and then as always yeah. happened with news coming out from Seattle, uh-huh. it came out after we finished the show. So now we're, we're kind of reporting on it a week later. <laughs> Um, and the dogs are really mad about yeah, that. You, you can hear that. That one, okay. that one cut through the noise impression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! 
Anyway. But what was but what did we miss last week that people probably might have, have heard of last week over the weekend? So it was, it, was, it was quite interesting. Wizards posted some infographics and then they took them down again and replaced them with some other altered infographics. I mean, was the infographic any more than a date? It was a date, yeah. But yeah. that so is the key info. And a, and a picture of <laughs> well, a fighter. They, yeah. Well, yeah, they, they announced their sort of 2024 lineup, uh-huh. which was um, mainly stuff we sort of knew about, but we got the actual dates for them, uh-huh. which is the important thing. <clears throat> Um, uh, and then just a few hours later, they retracted all that information and then put out replacement information minus the dates. Uh-huh. And I got an email from Wizards PR company saying, oh, oh, hey, um, um, we've put, we've accidentally put out some, uh, some graphics with some incorrect dates on them. Could you, could you replace them with, with, with the updated ones with no dates? And, yeah. you know, so there was a bit of a slip up. At Wizard's End, I guess. I wonder how the dates got there in the first place. That's the Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Because they could... were clearly wrong. Like, you looked at them and you're like, oh, really? We're going to have all four, all three core books in May. Like, I don't think that's yeah. likely. Like, they, they said they weren't going to do that. They know. said that it was going to be staggered. Yeah. Maybe it was a, a graphic design draft and the graphic designer just put in, the date will go here to give you an idea. <laughs> just put a date. <laughs> like, pl- so pl- they, yeah, maybe they're just placeholder dates. You know, really. like, a, or, you know, you yeah. put Lauren Ipsium on things and stuff like that but maybe yeah. it was uh, or, or they mixed it up with one of the other products which they I could mean, yeah. conceivably put out yeah. in May yeah I mean the dates this is weird the dates that they had was the 2024 core rule books May the 21st yeah then they announced Vecna Eve of Ruin which is an adventure also May the 21st mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then Quests from the Infinite Staircase which is an adventure anthology on July the 16th and the making of D&D book on June the 18th. So all basically within yeah, three, five, within a few weeks five, of each other. Five books, including three core books. Yeah. Within, yeah. within two months. Yeah. That, but they just put out a UA. Like, like the idea that they could get a player's handbook out in six months when they're still doing playtesting of the current rules for arguably the number one highest produced book in TTRPGs. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem likely. Like, it, you know, that seemed very aggressive. Yeah, I mean, they, they replaced them with, I mean, the, foot, the one which said, says player's handbook on it. Oh, I, I mean, I wonder if they, I mean, I'd be surprised if they got the player's handbook out, that's fast. It feels fast, mm-hmm. right? If they're not, because they can't be in layout yet if they're still working on the rules. So I don't know. You guys know more about publishing big core books. I mean, than I how long did it take? How, like, how, what was from the time, how, you know, can you give a brief time frame of like the adventures guide, the uh, A5V adventures guide? Like, you know, it wasn't that long. three months or something from, from the time when they're in our warehouse. But that's, I mean, it, it depends. Yeah. Printing to warehouse. Yeah. It depends where we're printing, where we're sending to, but three to four months is possible, but that's just the logistics. That's not, that's, we have the PDF ready to go. We're literally just sending the files yeah, and right, doing stuff. Right. So, so you're like, it's layout's already done at that point. Exactly. Yeah. But like with Wizards of the Coast, they have much wider distribution channels and much more complicated networks because they're shipping to bigger volumes to many countries. And I bet they have a couple of manufacturers because I bet they print more locally in Asia than they do in, you know, Europe well, I think and stuff they're, like that. So they're it's... all printing in the US, I think. Are they all printing in the US? Yeah. They might have sort of preferential or faster printing contracts. Yeah. I mean, it just, it feels like they can't, if they're, if they're putting out a UA and they plan to do a survey next month, 
Yeah, they're not in layout, right? <laughs> like yeah. they, they, yeah. Unless the rest of the book is done and they're just holding space in those <laughs> we're just, pages, we're just for doing changes. barbarians, right? <laughs> they did. They did say that eight of the classes were locked, didn't they? Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, a few weeks ago. That is kind of what we do with like. So we're gonna have. We just launched this week the Gate Pass because our annual book's coming out, and it's like a summary of the whole of this year's articles that come out, and that's already in layout, even though the December issue hasn't come out because we have all the other stuff. So maybe they're doing something similar to that. But even so, yeah, six months would be. A really quick turnaround. It wouldn't be impossible, but I find it unlikely. One big question I've I've talked about with some friends of mine. So they they made this claim of these are going to be the biggest core books that are ever put out. And they're going to be, quote unquote, like almost a thousand pages. And you're like, the old core books were also a thousand pages. Like they were all 300 plus pages. And the font size was about 25% smaller before than it is now. Mm. And they're talking about having more material in it than the old ones And more art as well. And more art. Like, so, you know. So so that that tells me fewer words. How's this going to work? I guess. It's going to be like, well, we have a class and it's 12 words long. Like, you know, it. yeah, that, that whole thing seems really bizarre like what that's what, what, what's the book gonna look like when we get it if they're trying to pack that much stuff into it that, i guess you just sort of wait and see i suppose i guess we will i don't know i, don't know. I like the artwork though that dwarf on the uh, 2024 cool rule book image that's a lovely piece of art yeah they yeah. do look very cool yeah yeah i mean should we talk about what those these actual books are that they've announced then it's probably helpful on a new show yeah 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 should we do that then okay so uh the 2024 cool rule books obviously we know about but Vecna Eve of Ruin, I think this is the first time that we've heard that title, isn't it? Yep. We've known there's going to be a Vecna adventure yeah. of some kind. Mm-hmm. We don't know much else about it. It's a multiverse spanning adventure. It goes up to level 20. Apparently it has cameos from various D&D characters, famous D&D characters. That's all we know, really. Well, I imagine this one will do quite well because, I mean, they talked about Vecna and Stranger Things. So I think a lot of people mm. that are new to D&D are familiar with the idea of this baddie. So it's kind of villain as opposed to baddie, maybe. maybe. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess it could sell quite well. But I was thinking, is this going to be not using the new 2024 rules? Is this going to be... Well, I don't know. I mean, their argument is that there aren't new 2024 rules that... Whether or yeah. not you're making the book, like it's not like DCs are going to change. That's, yeah, think, that's yeah, yeah. An adventure, an adventure is going to look the same. Isn't yeah, it? and they're and like even their monster design changes from book to book already, right? Like mm. they're they're, they're, they're continually true. changing how monsters work. So yeah, yeah. The interesting thing to me is it's a one to twenty adventure. Like this is the f- I think this is the first. It says up to twenty. It might not be one to twenty. Oh really? Sorry, yeah. The I doesn't doesn't say because what was it? Mad Mage Dungeon of the Mad Mage was five to twenty, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, you know, I found it on the internet, so it's questionable. But it says that Amanda Hammond, who works at Wizards, said that Eva Room will take players from fir- from first to twentieth. Oh, in that case, oh wow! In that case, if, if, but it's if, not a direct quote, said, then... and it's on some website, so I could still be wrong. Well, you know, if it's on the internet, it must be true. That's impressive. That's, that's my thought. Yeah, but that's how it works. If I really want to know what's true, I ask ChatGPT, and ChatGPT <laughs> never yeah, they that'll always tell you the truth. They wouldn't lie yeah. to you. Mm. <laughs> so the other the other book was Quests from the Infinite Staircase. So this looks like it's going to be an adventure collection. From what I can make out, and again, we don't know much about it, it's a bunch of classic adventures in the same way that, what was the seafaring? The Ghost of Saltmarsh. That one, yeah. That that was a, a collection of classic ones, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and Tales I of think, the Yawning Portal. Tales of the Yawning Portal was the same way. Yeah, so I think I think that's what this is going to be. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's what this is going to be. Again, that's all we know, though. We know a title, we've got a picture, we've got an image of someone with a moustache. It's like, Drizzt with a giant moustache. I don't know who who that is. Is that a moustache or is that smoke? I don't know. I can't tell. Let me yeah. Have a look. 
What do you reckon? Moustache or smoke? I think, yeah, I think that's a moustache. It's quite an angular moustache. Yeah, but that's that's a style choice. Fair, <laughs> okay. And um, amazing false lashes. If we if we say that's a moustache, then the things coming out of the eyes are false lashes. Must then. we also be, yeah. But it's they come look. all the way out and go round, round into the sky. Isn't that... <sighs> that's fashion over function. I thought they said there's some... That's It's some new villain, isn't it? I thought they mentioned something about having an entirely new villain... Or maybe that's who it is. Then I don't know. And it would that I may I might be mixing my artwork and announcements. I but I thought they it. had said something about that, that they have an entirely new villain. I think that was in their fiftieth anniversary yeah. panel. But it, look, yeah. it looks like a drow with a. I think it's a yeah, Ooh, yeah like the red yeah, glowing maybe. eyes and the pu- yeah. Yeah, maybe it looks maybe. cool though. Jim, I like that. Jim would like definitely all, have big mustaches. All jewel tones, purples and blue. Like it. Let's go with that then. Let's go with that. <laughs> We're saying definitively that's what it is. Oh, yeah, right there. You heard it on the internet. <laughs> Therefore, it must be true. <laughs> so, uh, the final book, Making of D&D. Again, don't know a massive amount about it. Just a promo image and a few words. But it looks like it's lots of art. It's got a copy of a early version of D&D in it as part of it. And I think it's just kind of like, you know, photos and interviews yeah. and scraps of information and and uh you know letters and things like that based in the 1970s is my guess looking at that uh the nice coffee table book Mm. because there's been a few of these things out there's been art and arcana which came out a couple of years ago which was the whole of D&D up until i think fifth edition and looked at the whole making of D&D throughout the throughout the decades Uh and that was a big old massive sort of three inch thick book which came with pull out things and maps and uh, posters and, I don't know, stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a very high production value thing. came in a box because it had a load of stuff with it. And it was super expensive. But, yeah, so making the D&D. Yeah. I guess we'll find out more I again. Think, I think it's interesting to look back at because the history of D&D, it's like, like you say, it's what, it's 50 years. It's not that long. But if you think about the, the change in, like, culture around it like when it was first come out you had people like oprah warning parents about it and stuff and like mm. now it's on stamps like yeah, it's, on stamps. <laughs> it's like right. you know it's it, yeah it's interesting but yeah so yeah well anyway so i don't know do we think they're all still definitely coming out next year probably yeah what, uh, what's that books. all those books yeah i think so yeah i think they're gonna be staggered a little bit more the, yeah. the email i got said that they'd release some um accurate release date soon yeah i don't know what soon means but i, I don't know about you guys i got plenty to do so they can <laughs> they can come out whenever they come out <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not too question, i would rather i really would rather them get it right yeah. so, you know who's who's going to be buying the books when they come out because i haven't bought a dnd book in a while oh uh, I'm, i mean i'll almost certainly buy the core books but there's i'll tell you there's part of me and i, I saw this i guess with with the pathfinder 2 new are they the pathfinder 2 second edition a remaster, they call it. Remaster. They don't, no, no one says edition anymore. That's a word you should never use. Sorry, what, did I, what, what word did I say? <laughs> no, 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 no company is using the word edition anymore. Like, well, Paizo and Wizards avoid that word. Oh, do they? Like, yeah. Play. Okay. I don't want to fall folly of, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> That's it, folly the of their advertisement yeah. marketing yeah. campaign. Yeah. But, like, they put it out and had an errata on, like, day one. Mm. right and it's like you immediately buy these books and immediately like oh yeah we screwed up and there's part of me that's like the smart thing to do would be wait a year right Mm -hmm. and like they'll they're gonna reprint them because they're gonna sell very well and they're probably gonna find problems and then they're gonna in the reprint they'll probably fix the problems so you you know if you you know 
I wonder if it's how bad the errata was, though, because if it's it kind can of be, yeah. game-breaking, yeah, you right. have to fix right. it. Like, if, what, it's, what, if it's minor stuff. Yeah, if it, you know, it, I guess it's like how heavy the mechanics, and I'm, I'm still smarting from 4th edition you know, errata, mm. which was like 72 pages long and fixed wow. every single spell. Oh so, so in that case, literally like the core books were just not useful because you, if you, mm. you know, you couldn't count on them at all. I, uh, was it, I think it was my fifth edition player's handbook actually, or one of mine. I've had more than one because I totally regretted doing this. So there was a uh, errata document. And I did this like five or six years ago or seven years ago or something. There was a errata document for, I think it was the fifth edition player's handbook. And I took that arts document and a pair of scissors and some glue. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Now you, now you have a unique player's handbook. I don't think I even have that one anymore. Oh, I, no. I ruined the book. I, I finished it and I thought, what have I done? It's selling on <laughs> eBay for $4,000. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I went through and like just cut out all the arts and just pasted it in place over the top. Yeah, my, my <laughs> trick was to put a little dot. Like I take a Sharpie and put a dot next to anything that changed. So no, yeah, okay, you know, that's, that's not. That's probably the sensible way to do it, Mike. I, uh. I did not adopt the sensible method. <laughs> and then you I, can keep the Errata document. That's back. true. I usually <laughs> prep for my games on my computer, so I'm on PDF, so luckily that gets around the Errata thing. So yeah, the rule book is like if I'm sitting down and digesting all the information kind of situation. But, mm. Yeah, this yeah. this this is going to directly lead into our longer commentary about yes, is yeah, the core yeah. book even the official version of the game? That's where, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or yeah. it's the actual official one, what's on d Beyond. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll save yeah. that, know, yeah. later. We'll save that yeah. exciting talk for later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is, okay. that, is that everything that Wizards of the Coast talked about? There's Surely there's more. They, oh, uh, there was a VTT, super secret, gather yeah. around, throw your phone in a Faraday cage, and come look at our virtual tabletop. Yeah. And a bunch of people did, and they've had commentary on YouTube and things like that talking about the DVDs. Yeah, so people were allowed to talk about it, as I understand, but yeah. no photos or videos. Is that right. correct? Yeah, because there's, um, I know Roll for Combat, their channel. Yeah, right. They had a big a big talk about it. Yeah, Had a big sort of talk about it. And I think, I think yeah, Dungeon Craft, the Dungeon Craft YouTube channel, I think, the, the, the fellow yeah. that runs that, Professor Dungeon Master, also was there, and I think he said he was going to do Roll for Combat it. has been quite negative on a lot of the stuff Wizards has been doing over the last year or two but they were glowingly enthusiastic about this uh, really PTT. Oh. yeah huh. like very very enthusiastic huh. so you know it's genuine enthusiasm then it's not just i guess you know. i guess yeah oh. i guess they weren't replaced with pod people <laughs> yeah <because laughs> all that yeah they put your phone yeah. in the Faraday cage and go into this device please <laughs> and it's not like they got granted special exclusive access or anything they just went along to the convention and bought a ticket like everybody yeah else. i think that's right right exactly that's what i heard yeah. is people could just people could just show yeah. up yeah yeah I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I get confused because they're doing their maps thing as well. Yeah. On D&D mm. on Beyond and how these two things are supposed to work alongside each other. I do wonder if there's like two executives and wizards that just don't talk to each other in the lunchroom. Right? <laughs> yeah, possibly, yeah. And, but but I'm, I think it's actually a smart move to hedge their bets, right? Yeah. And have like a lightweight browser-based VTT that's all 2D and mm. then have a, a heavier client-based you know, 3D VTT with yeah. lots of shashkis and doodads going. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. why not? I mean, if it, if the cost isn't tremendous, why not offer a couple different solutions? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't guess. think it's a I don't think it's a bad. I think bad the thing is, you, whenever you make an adventure, you've got to make versions for both. Yeah. But then again, I guess the lightweight one is just supply the map. At wizard scale, it, yeah. I don't it's know how expensive that is. Yeah, it's just yeah, a map and tokens. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, it's bad. Yeah. But the uh, the 3D one isn't. It's um. That's a lot no, the 3D like imagine no, building. I mean, yeah. and I'll tell you because I'm I'm really kind of like ah, I don't really care, right? Like I I like playing at my table or I like doing theater of the mind and I like mm-hmm. talking. But boy, you give me a 3D version of Castle Ravenloft. 
And I don't know how I would not want to play it that way. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like those yeah. really super vertical, you know, totally yeah. in integrated dungeons where you can follow the stair. Like, finally, I can figure out what that elevator does, mm. you know, after <laughs> 30 years of not having any idea how that whole thing works. It would be very interesting to see that in, in Castle Ravenloft. That would be the that would be the one that would that would swing me over is seeing Castle Ravenloft in 3D. I think I saw someone someone made a 3D model of Castle Ravenloft, which was awesome. The folks over at Dwarven Forge made a Castle Ravenloft out of, or they gave the plans for how to make a Dwarven Forge thing out of Castle Ravenloft, wow. and it was it was eleven hundred dollars per floor. Wow! <laughs> so it was really costly. Wow. <laughs> That's like wow. rent on an actual apartment, like you know, <laughs> depending yeah. on where you live. But yeah, yeah, right. You can yeah. actually yeah. go, 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 floor, rent, yeah. a, go yeah. rent a real castle. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking of expensive things, MCDM. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm going to $2 million. I'm going to breaking I'm gonna buy records everywhere. But yeah. Yeah, the, the the cost per person's not that expensive. The mm -hmm. amount of money is, is a lot. No, I meant expensive as it has made a lot of money. So, yeah. that's fact. Right? Um yeah. MCDM, they've had 3 million dollar kickstarters so far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is their fourth. Yeah. Good and it, yeah, 2 million dollars in less than 24 hours. Yeah. Nice. So this is the the biggest first day crowdfunding TTRPG Thing, including that big Avatar Legends, really, one, which did ten million. This is this is done twice that on the first day. Oh my! That God. did one point three million on the first day. Wow! This is done over two. So this wow. is record breaking. Yeah, I wonder, and you know, we've we've all been in our Kickstarter minds, and I wonder if the curve is the same. So they're doing it on backer kit, which is also a really big mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. Like, like it's it's. I think it's the largest backer kit crowdfunding yeah. campaign yeah. that's happened yeah yeah i think back kit put out a thing saying that as well yeah and i wonder if the curve is the same like so there's that kind of weird kickstarter curve although that's been changing you know over the past couple of years the bathtub mm. the sort of bathtub shaped curve where you get a lot yeah. of money in the first three days a lot it's of money in the last three days it's, it's and more a, a reverse j now because the uh yeah right because there's playing. so much prep yeah. ahead of time with yeah. the follower yeah. thing yeah, yeah yeah right it's like sort of reverse j so i wonder if the curve is different on backer kit but We'll see in 28 days, I guess. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's amazing. I think I think it will be front slanted because they had something like 10,000 pre-launch followers waiting, and they do a massive job of yeah. galvanizing their community mm -hmm. to be waiting. Yeah, what an audience! You know, they have. At the bit. Yeah. I know. It's Isn't that amazing? It's like, it's, yeah. it's. I was just thinking about like beyond the company that they've got, which is impressive, right? They've got mm. a lot of full-time staff. They've got. Really smart people. My friend James Intercasso is like, you know, a lead designer over there. And, mm -hmm. and it's just amazing. But but just to think of the, I mean, regardless of like what their company does, because they don't produce a lot of products, the the size of their community and being able to galvanize that community towards something like this. It's is, enormous, you know, I don't, yeah. it's, it's pretty unique. Like it's, it's yeah. really. I think it all hinges off that YouTube channel, doesn't it? I guess. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I guess it does. But, you know, you're always like something this big, there's probably multiple reasons. But that, mm -hmm. that I think is a, Clearly a big one, kind of that self-generating, you know, kind of a self-generating, growing, growing group. It's really impressive. What's interesting is one of the stretch goals on here is a virtual tabletop. Yeah. This got some drama in my Discord server. That's not a small thing to do. No. <laughs> What's the drama? What's the gossip? Well, the drama was like, are they, and I don't agree with it, but they, 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 the drama was like, are they, you know, that, that any kind of software, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but like any kind uh -huh. of software is hard. 
right? Yeah. Like building any kind of sort of software application for that. I was kidding about the thing because I know you guys are building a friend world. <laughs> level up advanced 5e yeah, so yeah. any kind of software thing is always risky like it's i think it's riskier than publishing physical books which is also really risky right mm -hmm. i think I, I i i'm this is sort of a, a, a you know a secondary quote but there was something about how much money mcdm lost on some of their initial books because of misjudging really? the price of physical manufacturing and shipping like they ended up yeah. they they well, some of the miniatures yeah. And maybe well, and it might have been, yeah, maybe it was the miniatures, but yeah. I thought I, I had heard that Matt Colville talked about this on his Twitch chat that mm -hmm. like they, you know, they had some of these enormous million dollar Kickstarters that lost almost as much, right? That yeah. lost money and they had to make that up elsewhere in the wow, company. Wow, I, I had no, I had no idea. Wow. But yeah, when you throw software in there, it's a whole different ball yeah. field. And there's so many like wrecks of software Kickstarters Mm -hmm. that, that just collapsed and never came to anything. And my argument here is they're they're saying like, look, we want to put money towards that VTT, but you're paying for the books, right? Like when you go to the kick, when you go to backer kit and you're backing it, there's nothing in any of your selections that says, oh, and you may get a VTT thing. They actually say the VTT might not happen as well. Right. And they say the VTT might not happen. They very, mm -hmm. they very clearly say this is not a promise. So I feel yeah. like they've, yeah. they've They've hedged their bet correctly in the same yeah. way that I think they said, hey, when we reach a certain level and one of our Kickstarters, we'll do a live stream like they, they, the, you know, Matt Coville built a whole studio to do a, you know, a live stream, live stream game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't really like you weren't expecting to get unique videos or anything like that. It was you were buying the book and that's where the money was going to go. Mm. So I, I don't I think it's, you know, when I first heard it, because like I was I was not looking at the backer kit page. I was just listening to people in my discord server talking mm. about it. And they were like, oh, they're saying it's a VTT. And I'm like, "Ooh, danger. Will Robinson. <laughs> right. Like that's that, you know. And then it was like, oh, wait, no, they're saying if they get enough money, they will work on one. Not it's one of the rewards you're going to. get. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that's a big yeah. difference to me. Like, mm. you know. It also depends I, I, on how complex they want this VTT to be. I mean, if they want yeah, to bake right. in all of the rules and have it rolling all the dice for I you. I mean, that's and, what they then. said. That's what Matt said. Matt said that their intention is they, they, they want to have a VTT where you don't have to do any of the math, that you can just click your attack and damage rolls and everything is happening and all the integration well, is they, there. they say they have a prototype, so... Yeah, and they, and they felt like none of the existing VTTs could do it. And there's a lot of them. Really? Yeah. I was about to say, like none of them? There's, there's, <laughs> well, there's that's, so that, that, many. They, they said that none of it had like the, you know, the level of smoothness or the level of integration that they, they wanted. Were, so they're rolling their own. Oh, wow. I mean, one one thing that's kind of neat about, about MCDM is that they, they do this kind of thing, that they mm. are not, they, they're not conservative about their yeah. approach. If they're doing Arcadia, mm. they're all in on Arcadia. If mm. they're, you know, when they, when they try this stuff. They die. I mean, just doing a whole new RPG that's not even remotely 5e based after having just had a huge Kickstarter for Flea Mortals, which is 5e based. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a big shift and they don't mind making those big shifts. So, mm -hmm. you know, it scared the hell out of me if I was there, but I'm not. So I, I mean, can enjoy it. It's yeah. totally working. I can enjoy it. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, if their virtual tabletop is better than all the rest and is really smooth and does the things they want, that could be a, a whole new business model because then surely other people would be like, hey, can we... Uh, get in on that because like running a virtual Depends tabletop platform is is a whole Depends, other yeah. business really than very specifically customized to their game though or not no that's true it, it, yeah it's, uh... so and and they they did say licensing wise because they've they've kind of talked about what they were gonna do with the licensing on stuff like mm -hmm. free mortals and stuff like that but this one they said they, they they definitely want other people to be able to make stuff for it make mm -hmm. money for it and not necessarily mm -hmm. need mcdm's permission to do so but they're looking okay. at more like a community license than they are right, something right. like right. a you know a full srd mm -hmm. so they they pointed at uh, shadow dark's license which uh, kelsey Dion over at Shadow Dark did, which was yeah. essentially that. We want you to be able to write Shadow Dark stuff. You don't need our permission to do so, but the, the rules are not open. Like you can't mm. reproduce the stuff we make. 
Well, yeah. you can I mean, build that, off of the stuff we make, which is different than SRDs. We talk about SRDs and stuff. I mean, we can probably hit on this a little bit later, but there's been a discussion <laughs> on my forums coming up about whether or not. I think it was prompted by something Ben Riggs said. Um, yeah, this is on Facebook. And D&D historian. Right. Um, yeah, we said it initially on Facebook and then it kind of spread all over the internet, but about will Wizard of the Coast make a new SRD and OGL for the 2024 rulebooks? Right. And mm. my thought on that is if they did, it's only symbolic because they don't do make products compatible with the 2424 get or any version of D&D, to be honest, except for maybe fourth edition. You don't need a new SRD. Yeah. Unless you're planning on actually reprinting the rules. Well, that's yeah. That's that's you know. So I, I, I have sort of like a my honor take, which is you kind of said you were going to. So I wish Mm. you would follow through with what you said you were going to do. But they've been changing the language on the website about it. They have like that community section of the community update section of D&D Beyond, and the language gets more and more fuzzy and is like, you know, we want to make sure that the future rules are fully compatible with the existing SRD. And you're like, so you could just say they are and you've accomplished it, yes, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you don't yeah. have to do anything at all and just claim success and you're done. But, and that you know, feels disingenuous. I, I don't feel like an SRD would actually do anything. Though. Well, just... so I'll tell you where it would. And that's, and, and you know, not to jump into the topic we're going to talk about, but digital, having digital other digital tools being able to pull in the new stuff. I suppose, yes. So like monsters. Monsters are an example. That's, yeah, that's the reprinting thing I said, though, isn't yeah. it? Basically, whether it's a book or a Yeah, tool, right. Yeah. It's, a, it's actually, yeah, right. It's just yeah, sort of, one in, thing you wouldn't sort of in a different format. That like a lot, I mean, so so Adam Bradford over at Demiplane did this and everyone else has taken the SRD and integrated mm. it with their digital tool set. Mm-hmm. And they would either have to rewrite all of the monsters themselves in in potentially a different way. You know, or just live with the old 2014 version of the monsters while, yeah. you know, the new the new good monsters are only available on Beyond. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it's just numbers, it's not an awful, you know, when it's a hit point 60, yeah, it's I not really it's, that, something they, you know. Uh, yeah, I think it's, if you look at the monster design in Monsters of the Multiverse compared to mm. the original 2014 monsters, the design is pretty different. And... I wasn't a huge fan of the new design, and now I am. Like, I kind of mm. changed. Like, yeah, this is a lot easier, and you know, and it is sort of like they took the next step. So, like, if you look at you know, you look at the twenty fourteen monster manual, and you look at like spellcasters, all their spells are just in a big block, and you have to remember sure. what fireball does. And then, like, the monsters menagerie has the spells in there, but they're still the actual spells, but they're spelled out and with the math and everything, so you don't have to go look them up. And then Wizards has gone to, no, we don't even use spells anymore. Instead, we have spell-like abilities, yeah, like yeah. Arcane Blast that do things. And as a guy who likes simplicity and monster design, I kind of like the Arcane Blast method. But it means that, you know, if if you're building another tool that is supposedly using modern 5e stuff, it's not going to be as modern as what you would find on Beyond if you don't right, have yeah. access to that, so... I mean, I think they should. Well, I think, I think you know, they said, they certainly gave the impression that that's what they were going to do. And I think it, whether it was a marketing thing on their side of trying to trying to build back a reputation that they damaged mm-hmm. severely earlier in the year, and now they feel like, well, now people love us again. So we don't have to do it because nobody really remembers and everyone just wants to move At on. At this point in the whole open gaming sort of meta crisis, as it were, stealing a term from Doctor Who, <laughs> <laughs> I think that even if they didn't, someone would just come along and just rewrite it in their own words and put that out. Yeah, them. and and I, I probably and hopefully, I mean, Shard actually did this over at, over mm. at Shard because they they didn't have all of the subclasses that were available for the 2014 because the the 2014 SRD doesn't have 
Mm. Sub, it only has one subclass per class, and they're the, mm. like the most generic one. Is they just made their own that are very similar to the ones that? Well, it's exactly what we did, isn't it? For level up, yeah, exactly yeah. The same thing. Yeah. I think they right. They they were even closer to the originals than you were. Yeah. <laughs> like you actually built new classes and new class features, and yeah, you know, yeah, combat dice and everything else. And and but they just kind of said, well, we're just make our own battle master. Right? And, <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, so somebody could certainly do that, but it's a, it's, you know, that means going through and making 300 new monsters or updating 300 new monsters yeah, yeah. as opposed there to just people, being able to pull it. I, they would enjoy doing that. You know, yeah. there are people that would sit happily do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a personal project, they'd probably do it and then they'll just share it. You know, that yeah. sort of thing happens all the time. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. But, we'll but, see. Yeah. We'll see. I think, I think you're definitely right though, that the first, the first 5.1 SRD being out there is the important one and everything else can kind of be built off of that unless you they know. do an entirely different system. I mean, yeah. and if if you're not if you're only wanting to make compatible stuff, you don't even need that. You can use the three point X one. Yeah, I mean yeah. To, to say that you know uh, there's a goblin with seven hit points or in your adventure or whatever. All okay. this stuff you don't need the five point one SRD at all to do that. All right. the terminology is there. The name of the classes is in there. The names of the monsters. That I mean, maybe advantage disadvantage might be the one thing. Yeah, and I don't think you can get sued over saying the word advantage no. disadvantage. Yeah, well, <laughs> but other other well, things in there. Who knows? You know all the terminology you need. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, anyway, we'll see. I guess. I mean, I I would feel very very comfortable making compatible material for one day and day. My feelings. One. I think we should push them on it, right? I think we should. They said they were going to, and I think it would be helpful if they did. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, I plan to bring yeah. up the fact that they're not. Now, they could all say, oh, you know, and if I were them, I would tell you this. So hopefully they're not listening. Oh, <laughs> we're, get, we're getting to it. We haven't forgotten. I am sure they're not listening. We're just very busy. <laughs> right. And then, you know, who knows? Because it took years for the one to come out for five, for fifth, mm. right? It yeah. was I can't 2016, remember, yeah, it was, I think. It was a while, wasn't it? Yeah, it came out in 2016. And it came out the same time that the DMs Guild came out. They both came out yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, they go. Yeah. But I mean, we'll get onto that because I think we both agree that they've effectively killed the OGL anyway. Oh yeah, OGL's long gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but well, we'll, we'll get onto that. We'll get onto that a bit later because yeah. that's our kind of big yeah. topic to talk about. I wanted to go quickly back to MCDM. Though. Me too. Yeah. Um, I, because it's interesting. Are we? Are we wanting itself, to talk? I mean. Are we wanting? Oh, are we wanting to talk about? Because one thing I want to talk about is the price, which is what right, I find we interesting. Both. We can talk about both things because. The pricing is $40 for the PDF and 70 for the hardcover. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's really expensive. But clearly it's not too expensive that people haven't bought in. And I think that's really interesting interesting for the industry because I think there's always a fear that I think we know that books and PDFs are not priced as they should be to make it profitable for publishers. Yeah. But you feel like you have to price them a certain way because people are used to it with what D&D set the bar at. So I think it's mm. – I'm kind of excited that something is priced a bit more – where I feel it should be for the level of work that's going into it and people are buying it. Because I think that's always the fear as an indie publisher that if you price it at the point where you're making something profitable, you're like, ah, mm -hmm. will everyone look at it and go, no, that's too much. So I'm really well, glad what, that the prices are yeah, 40 and 70. That's one of the reasons it's so hard to make a living in RPGs and everyone's paid mm. so little is because it's very, very hard to sell things at the actual value that Where everyone they gets really a car. Are. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a cheap bastard, and like <laughs> when I, but when I look at it, it's like well, forty dollars. Well, it's a four hundred page players book, yeah. and it's it's sixty five dollars for both the heroes and monsters book together in PDF, yeah. which is yeah. one I backed to that, right? Yeah, and you know, and that seems very reasonable to me for the you know mm. for the size and the quality of the work that I have seen coming out of MCDM on this. I think that that is is pretty reasonable. It, and it, they do pay their writers really well, like twenty five cents a word or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I, mean, I can, I can attest, I can attest to that. Goes to that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's not. It's not. It's not cash grabby. It's, no, it's going yeah, places. They, yeah, and they, they play their their salary employees are also paid well. I probably mm. probably yeah pretty high in the industry. I think. Yeah. So the one the one area though which I've felt myself, I've seen myself, and I think is an issue is when players' guides are too expensive for individual players to want to buy it themselves. Mm. Yeah. And the issue there is like, especially if you're trying a game out. Yeah. And you're like, I kind of, you know, and you're like, they know D and D, and they 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 you know they probably have no problem buying a player's handbook. But like, if you're like, oh yeah, I would like to try MCDM's RPG, everybody go spend 40 bucks. Mm. And then you're like, you play two sessions and like, ah, it wasn't really for me. Right. Mm. I, I feel like it would be nice if there was a lightweight, and I'm not saying like for this particular, but I've, I've seen it for other games. For example, mm-hmm. Shadow Dark doesn't have a separate player's guide for Shadow Dark. It's all one book, but they have a free quick start rule. So you can at least mm. send the free rules yeah. to your players and say, when it yeah. comes to just playing, this is the rule set. Yeah, starter sets and quick starts are really important. And we we really do run into that problem because the buy-in for our game is a lot. Yeah, I just you bought know, my second adventurer's guide like two yeah. days ago. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, and, you know, it's, it's three big hardcover I books. Did, yeah, I had to take a loan out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We appreciate it. It was actually very reasonable. It's uh, you know, because it's like sixty bucks, but free shipping in the U.S. In the U.S. And, like, yeah. oh, and it's and, it, and it's six hundred pages. Yeah. Yeah, and it's huge, right? Yeah. And when the zombie apocalypse happens, right. you have a bludgeoning weapon and it will right. it'll stop stop a bullet. Yeah. 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 I mean, I do have that issue, though, that like we so my next campaign that I want to run, I want to use uh, A5E. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I bought a second copy of A5E that I plan yeah. to share around, you know, that we have like two table copies that are moving around back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but I, I can't I can't expect or or demand that my players all drop 60 bucks. Yeah. When they might try and be like, you know, I like it, but I think I'd rather just play 5e. <laughs> right? I don't yeah. know what the reaction is going to be. And, and that's also why we have a5e.tools because all the rules yes, are right. on there. So and you could just yes, go to the right. website right. And, yeah. and figure um, out what you're doing from there. And you have your own SRD. So I could say, here's all the rules in PDF. Yeah. Right? And, and, can, the star- yeah. and the starter set has a nice little 32 page rules which upgrade your game, which is quite nice right. as well. But, yeah. Yeah. Which, but I think this is an industry thing because I wonder how many tables that the GM just sends their copy of the PDF to everybody. I think So can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. How Ooh. do you feel if somebody shared the PDF using something like Google Drive where they could limit downloads? So you can say like if you know, I can give access to view the PDF through Google Drive to my play to, to the one one could share it with their players so, so as publishers how do that. you feel about that so i've got two feelings on that one is i don't care fine if it's if it's only with your group and it's private personal use fine don't don't stick it up for distribution yeah, right. for anyone yeah. to come along and get it, right you know? don't don't put it up on a website that's yeah that's bad but yeah. um if you're sharing it with your group it's fine i also think we sell the pdf for like 10 quid um, do you? so no i don't with the adventure yeah i thought it was i thought, I thought oh, it was, we did. That. was it now 20 now it's tw- no it's it's 20 it's always been like yeah. well 19 but yeah 20 20 dollars members of Holden in, that case, t- in that case i take that back in that case i take that back but if we did, if we were selling of 10 grid i would say mm, mm. yeah right and that yeah in that case i would you know right right i, I yeah. would feel like hey picking yeah. up your own copy is very reasonable yeah i mean we we've kind of like um considered the idea of group copies yeah and it's, it would just be an honor system at that point and mm. it would just be say look if you want to buy this and share it with six people just pay an extra tenner and you know, we're not we're not gonna check, you know, but you know, if you if you if you wanted to do that, that would just, be appreciated. Just to correct you guys, it's twenty five dollars. You I guess you said twenty quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Great British pounds. American. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. 
Yeah. Uh, no, the thing is, I, I think the main thing for me is the amount of work and effort you have to go into to making sure people can't distribute PDFs is more than we as an indie publisher would do. And well, I don't I, think right. there is anything you could think you can do with. There must be things people do, I'm I mean, sure. you can watermark it know. and stuff, yeah. But, yeah. People get around it. Yeah, pe- yeah, that's what I mean, people get around it. Like, I just, what's the point? But one thing I think is the biggest issue in all indie publishing is onboarding new people. So if it's not D&D, just getting new people to try your game, mm. removing any barriers of entry. So yeah, if you're trying something out with your table and be like, hey, I found this cool system, let's try it. Letting people play it, showing the character sheet, if you've bought it as the GM, absolutely fine. Because I think the idea is that if your table really likes it and you all start playing it, they're probably going to buy the right. Adventurer's they book eventually. Yeah. But it's when they know that they like it and that they want it. You know, yeah. so they're not going to have this bad taste in their mouth of, ah, oh, I spent, you know, 50 pounds, great British pounds, not US dollars, on this book. And now it's just <laughs> sat there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want people to have that attitude to our, to our things, so... But again, like Mike said, yeah. that's where quick starts and starter sets come in. That's yeah. what they're for, yeah. isn't it? It's to, it's to do that. And then... Yeah, and I, and I think, like, I mean, even Wizards is doing it, right? Wizards now has that free, uh, what's the name of the adventure? Pinebrook? Perils of Pinebrook? Right? For for kids, uh, uh, for it's yeah. it's meant to be sent out to teachers, but it's completely free and it has a whole system ready to play. So they you right, get people right. playing D&D get for nothing. Well, yeah, you can download right. the D&D basic rules for nothing anyway. And you can download so. the basic rules for nothing and you can build characters yeah. and beyond for nothing. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so to briefly answer your question, Mike, um, yeah, I as personally, I'm not annoyed if people share their PDF copy as the GM with their party when they're trying out their system with our games. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think within a group, well, that's no different than buying a hardcover and passing that around the table, yeah. is it? Really? Yeah, the, the the one the one difference that I've made is because Google Google Drive lets you lock down a PDF so people can't download their own copy. There isn't a risk that if you have a player you don't know particularly well who yeah. downloads their yeah. copy and they're giving it to their friends, this prevents second yeah. order second yeah. order spreading. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I, I don't really want but that. But it gives everybody the ability to still read through the whole rule book. That's I think what, we're quite yeah. lucky. Maybe it's just our audience and maybe I'm naive, but a lot of people that play our games are kind of generally quite reasonable people and they'll yeah. want to support something that they like. So yeah. if they've been playing a game for a while and they've been enjoying it, at some point they might be like, oh, I'll drop, you know, I'll drop some money and buy the yeah. PDF or something yeah. to support right. it. So, right. but yeah. maybe that's me being very, very naive. <laughs> that's but, because uh, yeah. we're such lovely, lovely, lovely people. Well, I think we are. <laughs> and <laughs> I sometimes think you, you get back the energy you match. There's always going to be people that, you know, game the system and do stuff but i think that's no matter what you do so yeah i just yeah. don't think you worry about it it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a minority of people they're gonna yeah. do it whatever you do there's nothing you can do to stop them okay right. fine yeah right. we'll we'll just carry on making books and we give the rules yeah. away for free mostly on a5e.tools yeah, anyway exactly. so it'd be weird for us to be really precious about that i think <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. and, and, and again the pdfs yeah. the srd pdfs right mm. yeah exactly right there. That yeah. Exactly. pretty much everything in them too so. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um anyway mcdm I want to talk about the game itself a little bit. Yeah. I don't know much about it. I know like there's people there that have watched lengthy videos and playtest documents and all sorts of stuff about and know an awful lot more about this game than I do. Mm-hmm. I pretty much know what I saw on the Kickstarter page. Mm-hmm. Kickstarter page. That's about it. But it's interesting. It's interesting. So it's very much combat focused, it looks like. Yeah. They've kind of said, mm, we're not really doing dungeon crawling or exploration in this. Right. It's really about heroes fighting monsters. Cool. It's quite tactical. Um, I think they're going quite deep into the combat side of it. Mm-hmm. But they've also kind of taken aim at sort of D&D a little bit. Ooh. About how they're getting rid of sacred cows from the 1970s. So, I don't know what that means exactly. Such as? But my guess is 
one ability thing... scores. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, there's, there's one... <laughs> I don't well, know. If that... I'm just making up a sacred cow. I don't know if that. Well, I presume what... they're not because it's a 2d6 based system. So I have a feeling whatever they're. I'll doing. tell you one thing they are doing is when you attack, you don't make an attack roll. You yeah. automatically hit and you do just, just do damage. You yeah. just roll the damage. Interesting. So that is very much a departure from what people traditionally understand D20 fantasy to be. Yeah. I, this isn't D20, obviously. but I, I ran a game that did that, and my players were really confused for the first few sessions because they just couldn't... Because yeah. I was like, yeah, when you, you always hit, it's always successful. It's just how much, you know, how much you how do. How much damage you do, yeah. And that was... it was It's a real culture shift. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a... Mm-hmm. It's definitely, it will definitely speed the game up. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that at all mm-hmm. in the slightest. I think, I think that would work quite well. I mean, I assume there's things like monsters that can be resistant to that damage. It's not like, mm. you know, a house cat can take down a dragon eventually just by tapping it a million times. Although I, I like I that assume. story, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume, you know, there's more there's more to it than that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. Yep. But I guess it goes two ways, doesn't it? So if the adventurer always hits, I guess that means the the monsters get to hit you too. I guess, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, I haven't I haven't dug into the system too much. I don't yeah. know. No, I, haven't I just looked at the Kickstarter. I, I do yeah. talk about like fighting against the grain. The intro video, which typically like Kickstarter recommends that you aim for like a minute or a minute and a half, mm-hmm. uh, is fifty one minutes long. <laughs> What? So, yeah, the, the the top video on the backer kit is is a fifty one minute video. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so I was like, you know, he's really like, ah, I don't care what you tell me. The video size is we're doing fifty one well, minutes. Well, look, they, they launch. Yeah, and it's not. It does, doesn't appear to be on the wrong day of yeah. the week at the wrong time of the year. You know, that, um, they just they just like yeah, right doing, at the right we, yeah December. Who launches yeah. a Kickstarter in December? Oh, on the first day, yeah, but they don't. I, I, we're going to do it, and guess Dead. what? It worked. Yeah, right. Here I guess are. if you have enough of a following, you can do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, unfortunately, have a parallel universe where they launch the same one in March with a one-minute video. <laughs> we can see if the dollar and, on, and, on and Kickstarter it made $10 million on the first day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, don't, we, don't, we don't have a way to yeah. know whether or not it would have been yeah, bigger. Yeah. But I think this pretty much will It seemed to be Matt doing Colville just is, fine. Yeah. yeah. This will yeah. put Matt Colville as like the top. It's going it's to be the king of uh ttrpg crowdfunding after yeah. this i think yeah. i think uh, I'm really, avatar I'm really... is going to be knocked off its perch yeah not maybe not on the one campaign, i mean but in total you know, like not knocked off a perch is giving this idea that you can only have one or the other though and like there's still like avatars in target right like you can sure. you can you sure. know so there, there can just be big rpgs <laughs> no there can be right? only one <laughs> right, We're, there's a false competitive nature there. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah fair. I mean, yeah. the bubble, the um, bubble gets bigger. It's not that one is the other. Human nature to compare these things, though. Isn't I guess, it? yeah. So, and I kind of, I don't know why, but I just kind of root this stuff on. I just wanted to do, and it makes no difference to me. Yeah, I don't get anything out of it. No, but I'm just like, oh, yeah. now I really want wanted to do a ten million. <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah. Why do I want that? Why do I care? But I do, and yeah, I kind of rooting for them to do that. You guys, you guys brought something up on another previous show that I thought was also something that anytime we're talking about comparing Kickstarters, mm. it's always, it feel you know, it's way more valuable to compare the number of backers than it is the amount of money. Yeah. Right. That if you want to see actually how successful one Kickstarter is compared to another Kickstarter, the total backers is a much better gauge yeah. of which one is more popular than another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. you could just you could lose you could easily lose money by having an expensive like Wormwood yeah. famously had like the largest Kickstarter 
uh, for their gaming table and lost mm. millions of dollars. Mm. Like they lost a ton. Now they lost it by buying big giant pieces of machinery that they mm. used to make the table. But they still like, I remember the, the, the guy who ran Wormwood on his video, everyone else is cheering. And he's like, you're, you're, you're looking at 7 million. Like it's a good thing. Mm. <laughs> his whole point was like, you know, that's 7 million in debt. Right. That's, yeah. that's that we owe that in product. That's not mm. cash floating into our bank. Well, account. yeah. I mean, that's an important thing. When, <laughs> yeah. when, when, you, when you, when you, when you see a Kickstarter and you see all that right. money, that money is going towards fulfilling the product. It's right. like, you owe that. It's right. not that's profit. money. You it's owe. not profit. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. that's product yeah. you owe. Right. Yeah. And if maybe you make, you're if you lucky do a million dollars on a Kickstarter, you make money on it. Yeah. 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 If you do a million dollars on a Kickstarter, that doesn't make you a millionaire. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it does very, very briefly. Yeah. Well, the money very briefly goes into your bank yeah. account and then goes out. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is glorious like me. No, it's not yeah. that glorious because you're like, I do not want to pay taxes on this. <laughs> oh, right? So it's like, I need to get this money out of this account as fast yeah. as I can so I don't have to pay taxes on it. Because yeah. if I have to pay taxes as net, that's a real problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck to them. I, I mean, I haven't backed it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks amazing. I did back it. I backed the PDF. I'm trying to just kind of dial back on buying stuff i buy i buy everything <laughs> oh, i do but then i don't use it and half the time i don't even okay. read it now i used to re- at least read it <laughs> i do i do have that and right now i don't even read it i don't have time i skim the first three pages and then file yeah. it in my giant pdf library yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that looks nice but yeah. i like support i mean you know we all love this industry yeah. I love supporting, this, industry. supporting people yeah. as well. i have yeah. reached my budget for this month i've set i had to set myself a monthly budget for buying different rpgs because oh wow yeah uh, and so I kind of buy stuff, and then when I hit it, I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm done." So, and I went to Dragon Meat last weekend, and I bought stuff there. So, because some really cool smaller creators that I wouldn't have found online otherwise. So I bought their stuff then and there because I was like, "Ah, I don't yeah. want to find it again." But then that means this week I'm like, "Ah, yeah, there's nothing left in the <laughs> in the RPG fund <laughs> this month." But yeah, yeah. Right. What else have we got? Up? We got a sh- bit of Shadowrun news. We do. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm not entirely sure why they're doing this. What do you but mean? Catalyst Game Lab. They're putting out the old one, right? Yeah, reprinting a first edition of Shadowrun, which is not the popular edition. The second edition is. But secondly, you can actually buy it on print on demand at Drive Through RPG for eleven ninety nine from them right now anyway. Oh, I didn't know that. That that does make less sense to me now. But you know, to summarise it, so they're reprinting first edition. It's been out of print technically for thirty five years. Oh no. Was it released thirty five years ago? Uh, 88, whenever that was. Was that 35 years? I don't know. Oh my gosh. This RPG is like almost the same age as me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so when it was printed. um, Well, as we all know, I'm only 36. I thought you were 25. (laughs) I've been running EM World since you were five years old. Right. So impressive. Um, Oh, fair enough. Yeah, so is this just you can get it reprinted in a high quality offset print run, or I guess so, are yeah. they doing like new arts, or is it everything exact? Is is it everything exactly the same? Don't know. Don't know. I assume it's a literal reprint, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm just reading. It's funny. I I I played the Shattered Arc computer games, mm-hmm. which I liked a lot, and I remember whenever I went to my local game shop as a kid, I would see Shatter Run on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I always yeah. played other stuff. I never really and then Shatter. I never really got into Shatter Run. Mm. Well, as I recall, like first edition was mechanically a bit jumbled and second edition cleaned that up an awful lot as i recall and but bear in mind i it has been many 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 years since i've played shadow run but i don't think first edition is the one that people liked as i recall i think it was second edition 
Why am I? I might be wrong. I don't know. I'm sure they know better than I do. I guess it's just a nostalgia play. Because if you collect them, it's... Yeah, it could be a coffee table. Coffee table RPG. It's that classic cover. I mean, I recognise that cover. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I've got got it on the shelf behind me there somewhere. Yeah, um... I don't think they are... um... They're doing new art or anything, so they're keeping it purely as a style. And it does look so 80s, like I'm looking at it. Like, oh, it's yeah. such an 80s interpretation of the future, oh, which yeah. is amazing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Nice. Yeah. I know some people really don't like print-on-demand books, so I guess it gives them more options. So It's that, I suppose, yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. I don't really have anything more to cool, say about cool. that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's a thing that is happening. It is a thing that we Oh, I have another say. thing that's happening, though. Talking about being cheap and, and money... Uh, if people mm-hmm. wanted to try Pathfinder, uh, there's a humble bundle for like $25 or something where you can get a whole load of Pathfinder stuff, second edition. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's a good time to jump in because I know loads of people have been looking at thinking about diving oh, in. second edition or was that the new remaster stuff? Or was it the... Second edition, Pathfinder second edition. Ah, okay. So, so it's got like, you have $5 tier, it's got like the beginner box and the player's guide and stuff and 25 mm. adds like the player's guide the game mastery guide the bestiary the three parts of age of ashes like a whole just a whole load of stuff so mm. yeah and it's available till the end close to the end of the year 28th of december so oh, yeah. legacy bundle they're calling it so, yeah. also maybe if you're somebody that's been borrowing your gm's copy of the pdf as we discussed, <laughs> and you would like to drop, support drop the game because you enjoy and, it and yeah. here is a yeah. good to way to support time, it yeah. and give to charity at the same time so that's on yeah. uh on uh, um humble so you can check that out yeah, i just thought okay. that was that's quite like a nice discount for all that stuff yeah what else we got we're running out of news now aren't we we're getting there oh I've got something else as well. Uh, oh, so do you more, remember more, previously more. this year we talked, I can't remember what it was, but we talked about Project Blue Moon, um, the anime-inspired no. RPG by uh, Telzorian not, Games. Our Telzorian not Games. a thing that I remember. Okay, well, we but did. you said the word anime, which means I wiped it from my mind. Wow, okay. That's a strong opinion. Um, I can't watch cartoons. I, can't, I cannot see cartoons. We've had uh, more information about Project Blue Moon. So it's going to be called Shadow Scar coming out next year in 2024. Mm-hmm. And it's Cody Pondsmith, who did the Witch RPG and Cyberpunk Red, is working on on the game. And we've got some more artwork previews. And yeah, it's just looking really cool. And it's got all the reference points we mentioned before, like, you know, Demon Slayer, Kawabi Bop, Naturo. Um, so if you're a fan of anime and that sort of thing, the artwork alone is very beautiful. But Dicebreaker mm. did a big article on it going into detail, like, and, you know all the quotes and information on there. But yeah, it's coming out next year and they got the more details and the full name of it. But yeah, Shadow Scar coming out sometime 2024. Don't have a date for you, but as soon as we get it, we'll let you know. But I know a lot of people are going to be excited for this because I know there's so many people that love a really high quality anime art style. And I think they're trying to incorporate this into the gameplay somehow, that vibe. I'm not sure how, I don't have the details, but I know a lot of people love this. So a lot of people will be excited for it. Cool, cool, cool. I know you're not one of those people, Russ, but you know, not everything's for you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it makes the hobby your... wide and interesting. <laughs> exactly. Lots of different, your your, 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 your favourite yeah. video game, Jess? Well, to get three. That you've now played 17 times oh. all the way through. No, I haven't played 17 love, times all the way through. That's I ridiculous. Love Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> I love, oh my God. I'm, oh, yeah, anyway. Oh. But yeah, sorry, Russ, you were saying. It's won some awards. It's won all the awards. Yeah, <laughs> there's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> it's won lots of awards, yes. Um, so at the Game Awards, um, it won six trophies. Wow. Which is pretty good going, I guess. It's got Game of the Year, didn't it? Six different awards. Um, it was nominated for eight. 
it took home Game of the Year, mm-hmm. Best yeah. RPG, Best Multiplayer, Best Community Support, mm-hmm. um, Best Performance, and Player's Voice Award, which is the one voted for by the public. Yeah, yeah. that tracks. Yep. 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 I have nothing more to add. Yeah, fair. Well done. Okay. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. All right. Anyway, that's Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, it's fantastic. God, yeah. I can't remember which one it was. Three. It's a really yes. great game. Um, and I hope it brings new people into the hobby because I think it has yeah. the opportunity to do that because it yeah. is. It's going to make people really comfortable with the concept of, you know, tabletop RPG. Yeah. They should include advertising in it. Right, right at the end, they say, did you enjoy this? Go Don't you this want to book. do more with your <laughs> yeah. friends? Yeah. They should have another. Right it at is the, end, the kind of say. thing that, like, when I think about what I want, you know, as though I have any control over this, what I want wizards to be doing, this is what I want wizards to be doing. Mm. Like, mm. movies, AAA video games, postage stamps. Like, I want them to take their yeah. brand all over places that, that don't typically see it uh-huh. to bring people mm. into the hobby. And yeah. I, I think they, this one, they, you know, they've had two video games in the last couple of years. One we don't even remember and this one, right? And and I'm really glad that one of them is this big AAA hit where yeah. I was I was having lunch with some friends of mine. They're all video gamers. And we're like, what's the game of the year? And no, I'm not, they were like, I, we can't imagine it's not Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what else would it be? And I'm like, it's so... It was so big a game mm. compared to everything yeah. else that came out that it wasn't even really a consideration of what the next game would, you know, what, yeah. what game would I will, I will get back to it. I will get back to it. Anyway. Moving on right, to more anyway. news beyond Baldur's Gate. There can't be more news. You've covered so much news. I, I know. And in December. <laughs> We've done like an hour of news Okay. Now. Last thing. Steve Jackson Games announced their entire 2024 release schedule. Did they give some um, dates and then take them back? <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a... Now that's just petty. What a what a <laughs> thing to say, Russ, on a Friday afternoon. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> okay, well, listen back to this; you will understand. Um, so yeah, so they they've shown all their new titles that's coming out. They have given some dates for things, and they might change them. But they said uh, like an August release. They're given the months; they're not been too specific. But yeah, so they've got new titles. There's Car Wars, Grogo the Car Game, Express, the Railroad Card Games. They've got HP Lovecraft, The Whispers of Darkness. Uh, uh, they've got Bestiary. There's loads of stuff going on, and they got reprints of games, and of course, new Munchkin expansions. But as we've been talking about the news for a long time, and for some reason, Russ. It, is in a sassy mood. Uh, there's a full article about it that can go into more detail, but yeah, the whole release schedule is out now. I read somewhere about a Munchkin Shadowrun as well. Yeah, there's Kickstarter coming for Munchkin Shadowrun. I wonder that's why they're re-releasing that book, just to sort of like go alongside it. That's a good point, maybe. Beats me. Maybe. Synergy type of thing. But there we Come go. On. And that is Hello. that is the last bit of news I have. Okay. Well, I'm out of news. Have you got any news that we haven't mentioned, Mike? I do not. That's, that no that covers everything I've been looking at. Oh, we've got uh, another Kickstarter coming. Shocker. When do we never, when do we ever not have another Kickstarter coming? Um, well, I... But the pre-launch page is up for our Gate Pass Gazette annual uh-huh. for 2023. So you can go on there and click on the button and Kickstarter will tell you when it launches, which is January, I think. Is it January? Just yeah, I plan on doing that in the yeah, new year, January. just so we can fulfil yeah. Vault Splinter Souls first, and also we'll be fulfilling uh, the What's Hold a New Box set in January. So we just want to get them yeah. to people before we start doing something else. Yeah. Right. I think we're done then. I think we're done with the news. There's no more news. Excellent. Aha! An artificer! I wonder what wonders they have to show me. Oh, welcome, brave knight, to my humble workshop. Are you here to marvel at my spectacular inventions? 
Oh, indeed I am, noble artificer. Oh, please show me your latest creations. Very well. Well, this incredible innovation will, I think, completely revolutionise transport. Intriguing. What could it be? A steam-powered airship, perhaps? A wagon which travels underwater? A fantastical teleportation device? A vehicle which is larger on the inside than the outside? (laughs) No, no, no. None of those things. Prepare to be amazed by my... Well, don't keep me waiting. What is it? Behold! The carriageless horse. What? Well, it's a horse. But it has no carriage. But surely that's just a horse. (laughs) Well, I see you don't quite comprehend the genius of this technological marvel. You see the horse, yes? It has no carriage. Yeah, yes, I I, I see that, but... But what, (laughs) brave adventurer? Oh, never never mind, never mind. Uh, What else do you have to show me? I am glad you asked. I am especially proud of this one. So I collaborated with the greatest magi and alchemists of the land to produce... Voila! A sword? Oh, well, now you have my interest, young inventor. What can it do? Does it perhaps burst into flame? Can it slay a dragon with a single blow? Perhaps it can summon the power of Greyskull. (laughs) No, no. This, my friend, is the latest in weapons-based technology. This is the plus zero sword. What? It's the sword plus zero. So... I see you wield a sword uh, plus three yourself. Uh, well, of course. Well, this sword is a sword plus zero. Well, sorry, that's just a sword. Plus zero. But that's... Uh, uh, never, never mind. Carriages, horses and uh, swords plus zero. Whatever next? Uh, have you invented the spoon, perhaps? A cunning device to keep the rain from my head? Oh, wonderful ideas. Uh, uh, but but no, uh, so my final invention is something that is sure to blow your proverbial mind. Uh, my mind is not proverbial, thank you very much. Well, that as it may be, but even you will be awed by the sheer genius of this latest discovery. Oh, very well, Artificer. Once more unto the breach, as they say. One last time. Show me your creation. I, uh, I wait with bated breath. Very well, my learned friend. Allow me. To introduce to you... Here we go. ...the potion of visibility. What? I see you are speechless. <laughs> A potion of visibility? Exactly. Potions of in- invisibility being available on every alchemist shelf, but nobody thought to make this. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm already visible. Uh, uh, how, how do you mean? I don't need a potion to make me visible. I'm... Already visible. I, I, I'm not sure you're, uh, you know, what you're getting at. The whole point of a potion is, uh, is to let you do something you couldn't normally do. Yes, indeed. But I'm already visible. I mean, you're visible. The horse is visible. Everybody's visible. Uh, may- maybe you don't quite understand. Uh, look, look. I'm already visible. The carriageless horse is just a horse, and the sword plus zero is just a sword. These aren't inventions. They're, they're. They're what? Are you really an artificer? <laughs> of course I am. Wait, wait, what are you doing? What is that? Oh, this, my friend, is a true invention. A real marvel of technology. Well, it looks like a... a... Yes, indeed. This is my miniature ballista. But, that, but that's just a crossbow. Indeed. 
Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget patreon.com slash morris. Can I go now? Right, so our topic is quite a broad one, and it was kind of prompted by, I think the conversation started up when it was announced that a couple, and we mentioned this in last week's show, a couple of third-party products were going up on D&D Beyond. And then the conversation sort of like sprouted up from that, and then it kind of ballooned and spread into a, a quite a broad sort of topic. So I don't quite know how to summarise it, but it's kind of a topic all about Wizards' plans, their kind of market leader position, and the amount of influence they have in that market. Walled Gardens, a la sort of Apple's App Store and stuff. Open gaming, it's, 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 it's a broad topic. I don't quite know how to summarise it. Let's just talk about it, and we'll just see where it goes, shall we? Sure. I can I can throw my core hypothesis that I've have in my mind that's been driving my yeah. thoughts about this. Do if it. this helps, do it, do it. The more that Wizards adds other five E publishers material to D and D Beyond, the bigger a gravity well D and D Beyond becomes for the five E TTRPG industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. And Wizards has proven that they can't be trusted to act in that community's best interests. Right. Okay. Like those, that those, yeah. I don't think we can argue about those. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, both of those things feel true to me. I, yeah. So, I, I, d- I had nothing to rebuttal. What that means or what that leads to or how that manifests in daily life is a question. Yeah. I mean, the reason, so, so, so for me, it's kind of, they, they, they sort of did this and we went through this in 4E when we were making products of 4E. And the, the problem was that it was impossible to sell player facing material. Yeah. For four E, yeah, because it wouldn't work on the character builder. Right, it wasn't on the character builder, and, the, and, and that was the only real way you could play for four E. Yeah, and people were just if it's not on the character builder, I'm not interested. You know, I'm not gonna. I, yep. I don't. I don't use pen and paper for these characters. Yep. And this is kind of, uh, and we've been discovering this is kind of happening also in our space mm. uh, that people will sort of say, you know, what, if it's not on D and D Beyond then I'm not interested. And that's yeah. not to say that at the moment people can't sell things right. that are not on D&D yeah, Beyond because yeah. obviously they can mm-hmm. and there are a million right. dollar Kickstarters coming out the wazoo and we're doing okay and loads of people are doing okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that anyone's in trouble at the moment. But the material might not be getting used. Uh, and there's that. And also in the long term, it, it points to the future where perhaps printing third-party books of player-facing material might not be a viable thing that you can do because people can't use them or won't use them. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's mean, not on D&D Beyond. I, I get it because D&D Beyond is such a useful tool to creating your character. If you're new to Absolutely. D&D, it's all there. It takes you through the steps. Great. And I think so many people are used to using that and it feels a pain to do like, because I think I think most of us are used to doing creating our characters using a pen and paper. That's how mm. I, I do mine. But I think, I don't think that's a, a majority of D&D players now. I think a lot of D&D players yeah. are used no. to doing... Create the character I mean, on DMD Beyond and would struggle to 
Yeah, it's a, it's a you know it's a it's a statistic with all kinds of problems mm -hmm. from selection bias and everything else. But I did ask like on my YouTube channel, I put up a poll saying, "Hey, do you regularly you know do you regularly use D and D Beyond mm -hmm. to prepare or run your games?" And forty percent said they did. Yeah. So and I don't yeah. I don't you know that's of that group. Yeah, you could argue is that good? Would that be high or low depending on selection bias things? But mm -hmm. you know, hey, close enough. Right? Yeah, like, you feel yeah, yeah. it's better than my guess. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and so I don't know that it's totally pervasive that the majority of players are using D and D Beyond, mm -hmm. but forty percent is still a lot. Yeah, right? like, that's mm -hmm. almost half of the people that are playing the game are using the one tool to do so. Yeah, and it's growing as well. And it's probably yeah, and it's not right. It's probably a year ago, D and D Beyond was a third party product. That's right. Now yeah. it's fully integrated. Right, it's pushing everyone towards it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, and and. It's that push towards it and like ways that they push towards it that, you know, so I kind of like have things that they do where I'm like, oh, that's fine. That doesn't that doesn't make me feel like the hobby is getting more brittle or more focused around mm -hmm. one pillar that, you know, we, we can't necessarily trust. And then things where it's like, you know, oh, no, that that's something that could be a problem. And an example, like one, you know, oh, I got so many examples, but like one example is if they put out the 2024 core books as physical books. And mm -hmm. then the one that they update regularly is the D&D Beyond version. And that becomes the errata, well, right? Already, Any of the updates. Already the 2014 books yeah, on D&D Beyond are more up to, to date. the physical, one, That's the right. physical ones. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. The, and, the, and, and, and there isn't even an errata document for that. The, yeah. the ones that are the updates that they've recently made to the 2014 books, which have mostly been uh, like better represent better representation yeah. of their their language and everything like that. But they they did put out a rat of documents for that same sort of thing for Volos and Mordenkainen's. And they didn't do that for this. They didn't even tell anybody that they had done this. I, I think that's, that's partly weird. because they're not going to reprint those books. Come come ne come next year. Right. You, they're not going to they're not they're going right. to disappear. Huh? Right. Yeah. So, well, no, they're not going to disappear because there's millions of them out all there. Right, they'll still be on my shelf. <laughs> like, but I mean, right. I think it will, else's shelf. it will disintegrate <laughs> off your shelf once the new editions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Again. Right. They put they're a special enzyme. They're going to be a special paper-eating enzyme yeah. that they put in the cover glue. That I assumed eat. it was magic, but you know, it, no, it triggered send, early, and that's why those books fell apart. Early. They sent they send the Pinkertons around. I've heard from how expensive that would be. That's very costly. Yeah, that's yeah. They, they probably thought about it. That's too much money. They'll just no. so they, bribe your dog to <laughs> eat it or something, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that's that's all they're gonna do is they're gonna make them slightly steak flavored. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs eat them. Yeah. Like, Why did my dog eat my book? So, so there are things where I feel like you know, and I I brought it up earlier that like movies, TV shows, video games, you know, educational programs, all that mm. stuff is great. Like that gets people into the game mm -hmm. it shows them how awesome it is and for those that really stick with it they come in they're gonna do some googling on youtube googling mm -hmm. they're gonna search on youtube mm -hmm. they're gonna find stuff and they're gonna see the larger community and see the other stuff that's going out there yeah. and hopefully pick up on some of this and mm -hmm. add it to their mm -hmm. games because everybody loves tinkering with this game we've been tinkering with the game for 50 years and mm -hmm. we're all just offering different ways to tinker the game mm -hmm. but if they then if wizards kind of steers it towards well Actually, for our educational program or for the starter set, now it's in D&D Beyond. And don't mm. you want it there? And by the way, you get this other stuff in D&D Beyond. And now they've built it where mm. immediately brand new people are funneled right to this one app. Right, and yeah. the more you're funneled to it, the more you're going to stay there because you bought your stuff there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you can't take it out. You can't move it somewhere else. You can't use it in another tool. And you're like, well, I'm, why would I ever buy Level Up Advanced 5e when mm -hmm. I can't use it in my favorite tool that I grew up with? Yeah. Mm. 
you know, in D&D Beyond. And mm-hmm. I, that's where I feel like it's making the hobby brittle. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think there's kind of, you want to make some distinctions there between the game, the company, the hobby. And these are different things. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's important, like, the, the uh, Wizards indisputably owns D&D, the yeah. IP. Yeah. Correct. The hobby, I see, yeah. is a different thing. Yeah. It's, it's not the IP. Yeah. It is the act of playing the game. I don't. Um, even I don't, even yeah. the hobby of playing D and D, as opposed to the hobby of RPGs. Right. The hobby of playing D and D specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, you know, they they are kind of like a. I don't even say there's stewardship of that. Stewardship of the no. IP, certainly not of not of the hobby itself. Correct. Mm-hmm. I don't even um, like using the term third party publisher anymore. No, right? I don't like it. I all. say no. fifth edition publisher. Right. I've never like, liked it. I've never. They're liked all it. fifth edition publishers. Well, particularly yeah. like you are not a third party publisher. Right, no, no, you, you have your own game, <laughs> right? Oh, and, well, I mean, if we are, then Pathfinder is. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, the, yeah. None, of, none of these are third-party publishers. They are publishers, yeah. and so even in the fifth edition world, right now, mm-hmm. the way I the way I like to envision it is, Wizards mm-hmm. is a publisher of fifth edition products, like we all are. And yes, when, and their uh, one is their one is called Dungeons and Dragons. That's yeah. right. There's yeah. is called Dungeons and Dragons. And when you put a book, if I put Dungeons and Dragonheim, and I put Descent and Avernus next to each other on my desk, they're kind of similar products. The fact mm. that one company is, you know, 200 times bigger than the other uh-huh. doesn't matter when I'm looking at two physical books that are sure. sitting in my table. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't help. My point it doesn't help. I mean, you, you got to give them kudos because um, they've tried to do this before. That's kind of been a goal in the past. And they've made stabs at digital tools like two or three times over yeah. the last sort of 20, 20 odd years. D&D Beyond, finally, they've got it right. Well, because they bought it. Because they bought <laughs> yeah, they it. saw something <laughs> out there that was perfect. They didn't perfect. build it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. But D&D Beyond, you know, you, you can't say it's not a good product. It's no, a, it is. And it's, it's, it's if it really weren't good, good if, yeah. I, I kind of wish it wasn't. Because if it weren't good, we wouldn't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But because it's really good, mm. like, I have players who've been playing this game forever, and it's hard dragging, dragging them away from D&D Beyond mm. to try some other yeah. stuff. You know? Yeah. And they know, like, they're, they've been doing this a long time. But yeah. D&D Bound's really easy. I think for me, there's, there's a number of different roles that Wizard of the Coast takes. And some of them I don't think sit comfortably with each other. It's, it's, it's kind, of the, kind of the problem. And one of them is that if you're the market leader mm-hmm. and you're the brand owner, <laughs> yeah. but also if you end up being the Store primary owner. retailer, yeah. for you pretty much... Yes have control of the entire market yeah. and you can literally decide who succeeds and who doesn't That's on a win. exactly right. And yeah. that is that is my that is my problem. I mean right. there's a reason we we haven't got stuff on DM's Guild. Uh-huh. And the reason that is when DM's Guild started they had that Guild Adepts yeah. program. Right. And I thought, right, so I put a monster book on DM's Guild. Yeah. And my competitor puts a monster book on DM's Guild and then Wizard of the Coast comes along and says, buy that one. Not yep. you know, buy buy by by Jessica's monster book, not Russ's. Obviously, yep. Jessica is an adept. Buy 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 her book. Don't buy Russ's. I did when, it. I, yeah, Sorry. yeah. When they're influencing the market, and I mean, I get it. Like bookshops put certain books in the window. I get it. I do get but it. There's I mean, it's not, but there's many bookshops. But they're not also making books. Yeah. But the <laughs> bookshops don't own the books. <laughs> That's the, right. The it's not their books. Yeah. The bookshops are just a retailer. They right. don't own the books. Mm-hmm. They, right. they aren't the IP holder. They aren't. Right. They aren't all these other things as well. Yes. And I think that's where it gets confusing. Yeah. Like if they were, li- if it's just drive through RPG, fine. They can yeah. promote what they want because they're yeah. just a retailer. Yeah. yeah. But this is all of these things. Yeah, because like we don't, we're not bothered by by drive through no. because drive through also doesn't own ninety nine percent of the market of mm. RPG books. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
So what you have is then a company that literally controls the hobby. Yeah. And is able to gatekeep. Yes. Entry into it. And has proven that they're not very good gatekeepers. As in, go look at the people who are the original adepts. (laughs) Some of those people are out of the industry now for good reasons. I never really followed who it was, to be honest. It Uh, was not a, you know, I mean, I'll say it. It was a corrupt system. The system to become right, an adept. Right. And I have very, very good friends who are adepts and did very, yeah. very well mm-hmm. being adepts. And I, and I love them. And their part of it was not corrupt. But it was basically, you can work really hard to the point where you get noticed by wizards or be friends with somebody in the company. Mm. And that's right. what ended up happening, right? Yeah. And it was, you know, they have shown that they can't be good gatekeepers like that. They have, you know, they've, they've, they've shown they can't even control their own products when it comes to mm. like not putting out things that are <sighs> objectionable. So like, you know why yeah so uh, yeah but right. even, all the stuff you said is absolutely true but the thing is even if they had been good you know good stewards it's the idea that someone has that power because it's like yeah well right, right now the people running the company are nice people and that's not a problem but right you if you have that power you can't control who's going to inherit that you know right it's yeah but i have, i've heard you know not not to say i'm old because i am as we as we said earlier, when 36 old. or yeah. 25 right? yeah. you and me both um and so obviously i've only been doing this job for a very short while but <laughs> in that in that short while in no, the second uh, edition the, days yeah well, <laughs> less than that <laughs> so in the last 20 years or so i've seen various management teams go through Wizard of the Coast and I've been friends with someone some, some, sometimes, sometimes I haven't, sometimes I have some, do you know what I mean? And it's, you know, in the early, like, 2000s, you know, first name terms, very, you know, very, it was a very cordial, you know, I can't think of the word, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a friendly, it was a friendly thing. Mm-hmm. And as different management teams come and go, you don't know what the management team's going to look like in 10 years. Mm. Yeah, right. Or five. You know, back then, yeah. it was Ryan Dancy, who was, like, all over open gaming, and we want this, and we want open gaming, we want open gaming, and now you've got a management team that doesn't want open gaming. Mm-hmm. The diametric opposed opinions to him, who actually say, while he sits there saying, I made the OGL, and I'm telling you it can't be rescinded, <laughs> right. and they're sitting there, the current management team right. is saying, we don't care, we can find it can a be way. rescinded. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, we, will, so, we will go against our so, own contract to get what we want. And I'm not saying the current guys are evil or anything. I mean... I'm I don't just, think that I don't think the current guys yeah, agree. So I, yeah. I bet you, I bet you that the arguments that we have externally about all of this, they are having internally, mm-hmm. and that there are definitely people. I think we kind of saw that because Factions boy, well. yeah. going from we're going to try to take control of this thing, we're going to violate our own license and go against our own contract and our own word to try to violate the OGL so that we can get back our thing, to we're going to put it all out under a Creative Commons license, and that mm. was like six weeks and you know that that wasn't the same person who went from one to the other no, that was yeah. one group got one group got control over the situation when they didn't have it originally absolutely yeah. Right? Yeah. so there's there's yeah. gonna absolutely be internal struggles going on mm-hmm. well i kind of think you know i've, I've, I've mentioned this to you before, i don't know like what they my, are but I'm, the i i kind of think they succeeded anyway but yes from mm-hmm. a pr point of view <laughs> it looks like right. the community succeeded well, right but but yeah. they didn't and yeah. because they have killed the OGL, which is what they wanted to do. Well, All right, not legally. It hasn't yeah. been rescinded. The, it's, right. a dead, it's a dead duck now, though, isn't it? It's as yeah. good as dead. Although we still yeah. have to live with it because everything that was written under the OGL, we have yeah. to use the OGL. Yeah. But the, yeah, but they got. I don't think their intent was to get rid of the OGL. That was to pull back the five that one SRD. Like they they didn't want their whole rule set out there, so they didn't accomplish so, it. I think they so accomplished what? their goals because they have a dominant platform now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? so that's what they, that's they what learned. They what realized. we all knew, which was. Who cares what you put out in an SRD? You yeah. have the D&D brand. Yeah. yeah. So, no one else yeah. has so, the D&D brand. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be sort of saying the rule set does not matter. 
when it comes right. to this topic, it right. does not matter. They can put out all the rules for free. It does not matter. What matters is that platform they're building. Yes. And that, and you know, it's about control of yes. the game. And the control of the game, instead of being exerted via rescinding a license, right. they're going to do it by making building a platform, a platform yeah. so attractive and so necessary. Right. Right. So they're going to control it that way instead. So whereas rescinding the license was a stick, yep. the platform is a carrot. But they're going to do exactly the same thing. Yeah, and it's a carrot exactly for both customers because it's good and because it, yeah. has, it has a lot of really good options for it. We yeah. were talking earlier about all the trickeries of how to share player stuff. Beyond, mm. you don't worry about that, right? You add them to your campaign, they have access to everything you have. And it's like, wow, that's yeah. really nice. And yeah. it's hard to do when you've got PDFs. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And so it's really good for customers and and it's really good for other publishers now. Like I, Ghostfire is through over the moon mm. that they get to publish you know, their, their, their products on there. Yeah. Um, that's, it's really good for them. So I have heard a rumor that the intention is long-term not to to have it a, a lot more open as to who can publish on there. Yeah, I could say. Um, but I don't know what that means. Whether If it's invitation only, I think already that's yeah, that's corrupt. a problem. Because right. you have to be friends with them <laughs> right, you have to, to participate who, in the industry. Who gets to choose, right? Yeah. And, um, and like you say, then now the company, one company gets to decide who makes it. I mean, not really. Because yeah. like, you know, N-World's going to be fine. EN God, I keep saying N-World. EN-World is going to be fine. <laughs> You know, I think Thank regardless you. of whether or not, you know, <laughs> like it, it would take well, a much so, bigger yeah. share of D&D Beyond becoming the dominant platform to truly impact. Because like we said, Kickstarters are still doing really well, right? You can put out it's Kickstarters even for character better, option stuff. Better than ever. Yeah. 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 You can still put out Kickstarters for ca for character option stuff that, and I think it's because we're selling dreams to people, <laughs> right? Mm. That we sell products that they th that look really good. But then they go, oh, well, I don't know how to get that into D&D Beyond, right? Yeah. But then so I think we can also focus on products. Like The other thing is, it's not just, I'm sorry, it's not just D&D Beyond. It's particularly character stuff in the character builder. Because yes. like monsters, it's not a big deal looking up monsters on other platforms yeah. or even mm -hmm. using PDFs. Encounter building, it's the, it's you can use notepad. Right. Mm -hmm. like, That's what it is. All of the other components to it. There's a million other, like maps is really interesting, but there's a million other VTTs, you know, yeah. that you can use. Although you having it all integrated into one place and package sure, and being smooth. And, but it's not know, that. It's is a nice thing. Yeah. Right. It's right. not it's the big not barrier, barrier to, like the characters. You can are, click right. on your character I don't think and it's it'll roll it in the thing. But character builders are A, really, you know, again, you guys know this, really hard to make yeah. really hard to make well <laughs> mm -hmm. and yeah. and you know they, they take so much energy and they're important because the customer base for the character builder i'm making this number up but it sounds right is about six times bigger than the stuff you sell to dms mm -hmm. because it's for every player yeah. mm -hmm. right like that's the specific component that you're giving specifically to players where most yeah. of the time we're focusing yeah, on i mean traditionally in publishing yeah you're gonna sell more copies of a player book than a, than a, sure. than a DM book. Yeah, yeah. So so them having that, you know, the the focus of having a really strong character builder is really the big, you know, I think the big draw and the big and the big issue. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's exactly what happened with Fori. But I kinda I kinda yeah. feel like so some people will turn around and say, okay, so you're you're playing in Wizard Sandbox, it's their IP, just go and make your own. Go and make your own game that's mm -hmm. not D D. Mm -hmm. I find that is an answer. I don't think it's I I don't think it's a satisfactory answer because I feel like it's we're talking about the hobby here, not the IP. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Um, and while I agree that Wizards should be able to say who slaps the D and D logo on their book and use yeah. their branding, yeah. absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. 
Right. The, the they, hobby, they own it. Right. The hobby they don't own. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, so, you know, like, you know, we know about people that have been in the industry well and the value of their future predictions on things and mm. that they are not a good indicator of what's really going to happen. But like, well, I, yeah. I don't feel like I'm too worried about other RPGs. Like Shadow Dark is killing it, mm-hmm. right? It's one mm-hmm. person. They built their game, million dollar Kickstarter, big community, lots of people playing it. Um, I joked because they have their own character builder called Shadow Darklings, where you can make characters really, fa- you know, really quickly. And I was like, "Is Shadow Darklings mm. ruining, you know, Shadow Dark with their dependence upon digital tools?" <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's one dude that runs Shadow Darklings, right? Mm-hmm. But so, so I and we just, obviously we're seeing the success of of MCDM's RPG. Mm-hmm. It feels like other RPGs. I don't yeah. know that beyond I mean, growing is going to hurt know, other RPGs. Yeah, Chaosium's doing fine. Like, yeah, Keyboard Seven's right, doing fine right, with, the, right. with Doctor Who and Warhammer. Indie, and really small indie RPGs are still going to hit the people. Amazing, yeah. 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 But to me, yeah. the particular one is five publishers of 5e material. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where I see that people could be creating products and even selling products and doing well at them where they're just not going to mm. get used because of the extra effort that it takes to try to use them compared to what is already so easy to do in yeah. beyond. And it occurs to me that even if, and this is like a big, big if, Wizards turned around and said, it's going to be set up like Drive Through RPG. Anyone can come along and just upload right. their product and sell it. Right. To make it work in the character mm-hmm. builder yeah, I don't know how means you need to done. actually do coding yeah. Yeah. and code the character builder. So uh, yeah. you won't be able to do that. No. As, I know. Unless yeah. there's something about the character builder I literally don't understand. You uh, won't be able to do that. No, I like, think, yeah. Someone at D&D right. Beyond would have to code that. I mean, this, I think it would be similar to having to get your material to work inside the character builders inside Roll20 or Foundry mm. or Fantasy Grounds or any of the other kind of integrated VTTs. It would be that same, the same level of effort, the same structuring. You know, the but you same get actual coders doing that, don't you? It's oh not, yeah, yeah. It's an engineering yeah. job. Yeah, it's not. It's, like, not, it's not writers. Have that you? Do that. I have a, a question for you and and with with um with A five E. So there is mm. a A five E. They call it the official A five E module for Foundry, mm. but uh, they're not actually associated with you, right? They that's a fan. It's a community group that, it's, that it's, did this. Well, we so we started it. So the the like going back like a year and a half. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> so we invested some money to launch it and start it and then it was handed over to the community gotcha yeah yeah so they, they they've gone through a tremendous amount of effort to structure yeah. the data yeah. that's inside afiv to make it compatible with foundry it's and it's available on github what's it's that enormous amount oh yeah no it's huge, huge. yeah, yeah. i mean i'm i'm doing it over an open 5e right i'm converting mm. other yeah. 5e material into a structured format over an open 5e so yeah. that other tools can use it and we have a structured yeah. version of this stuff that was released yeah. under under various open licenses it's a ton of work and it's hard to get it right yeah, it's not a skill set we have in house. We're yeah. writers and artists, and yeah. you know, we I I don't know how to code and program to computers no. and make yeah. that sort yeah. of thing. Right, and it's expensive to hire yep. people to do it because uh, programmers are very expensive. Yeah. They're not, and and the know. return isn't necessarily there. Like I, this is the thing. Yeah, yeah. So myself and James Intercastle and Scott Gray have a book called uh, Fantastic Layers that we put out a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and we said, hey, and you know, we've had people come to us and say, oh, we'd love to have this in Roll Twenty, and I'm always like, hey, look, the maps 
are totally available and you can drop them in roll mm-hmm. 20 you can do whatever mm-hmm. you want with them and they're like well we really want the module with like you know with the dynamic lighting and tokens in the right place and all that stuff so we actually commissioned another friend of ours to do it paid him mm-hmm. paid him to do it put it up there and, and we make a solid 12 dollars a month yeah yeah right this like is, it yeah. makes it was it was totally yeah, it was yeah. not even worth the conversations we had about it mm. much less the, the, yeah. money, the amount of money we and, paid and then when you yeah. multiply that by the 30 or 40 platforms that are out mm-hmm. there yeah and uh you know fans of each yeah. of those platforms is you know busy telling you that it's a no-brainer for you to put yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's definitely it's effort. not. It's a really yeah. big, expensive thing for us yeah. to do. Sure. You, Dividing yeah. that by thirty times it that by thirty platforms, it's it's more. It's, it's a much bigger endeavor than actually making the books in the first place. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows what D and D is going to do? What Wizards is going to do as far as opening up D and D Beyond to more publishers or not? And I'm not even know. sure. Like, is it good or bad one way or the other? Like, on one side, the the thing is, like, I have kind of boxed them into a situation where they can't. Uh, they can't win as far as like mm. getting Mike Shea's CEO of approval. Because on mm. one side, it's like, well, if you don't put any other third-party publishers on there, it's a lockdown platform that doesn't expose people to the other material. Mm. If you add third-party publishers, you're becoming too big and brittle and you're going to ruin the industry. Not mm. really, right? But like I've, I've kind of created <laughs> this no-win yeah. situation yeah. in my mind mm. of you know what they can or can't do. So then it's like, well, what can they do? Mm-hmm. I don't know they're gonna, but what could they do that would make me feel better about it? And what is like, put your stuff out in PDFs like everyone else, mm. right? Everyone does it. Every other publisher, almost every, there, there's like two or three others that do and it. In fact, they do for a lot of their stuff. Just and they do for everything stuff. except yeah. the 5e stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. right? And maybe they'll say, hey, for the 2014, even if they did it like staggered, like, hey, the old stuff, after it's been out for a couple of years, then we'll put out a PDF so you mm. feel good about owning your own copy. Because it's not hard, like compared to what you were talking about, compared to coding the stuff mm-hmm. to get it to integrate with a digital character builder is... I don't know, two or three orders of magnitude more in cost than dumping a PDF of the thing that you sent to the printer. Mm. Yeah. Right. It's not really that hard mm-hmm. to, I mean, you got to do more work than that, Yeah. but like, it's not that hard to optimize a PDF out of the print yeah. copy that you made yeah. and, and make it available to people to download. And as we talked about before, it's already like, especially wizard stuff is pirated like crazy already. Yeah. I can't believe that piracy is the reason not to do that. I because think it's control. Right? Well, it's already being pirated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet. I bet. It wouldn't take more than I'm not going to tell people how to do it, but it wouldn't be hard to find it if you if no. you really wanted to do that. So yeah, and our stuff as well, you know. But yeah, my stuff, right? I yeah, was yeah. very upset. Like if, you know, if you Googled my product titles and added the word PDF, you found illegal yeah, yeah. versions before yeah. mine. I think yeah, for so, basically yeah. anything. I think I haven't done that yeah. for, but, us um, for a while. Actually, let me just check now. Oh, don't do it. No, it hurts. You're, you're, it just, you're, hurts. Just, you're just still sad. You're just going to make pain. You're, you're just going to make pain for yourself. <laughs> You already have COVID. Take it, take it easy. Yeah. So like that's one would be PDFs. Mm. An- another one you talked about, like how hard it is to get stuff in. And this is one I've been thinking about and, and trying to get people's thoughts of it. And I'm not getting a lot of traction, but like, I would really love it if they had like authenticated APIs to both put in data and pull data out of the so that, Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a another technical hurdle. It I is, guess. and and I don't know why they would put that high on their list of things to do when they've got a million mm. other things that, that are directly profitable to them. Mm. But it would make me feel better, you know. Again, I'm not here to give them MBA advice. I'm here as a customer and as a RPG fan mm-hmm. to yeah. say these are the things that make me more more comfortable about this. Yeah. And one, and then I thought maybe we don't even a. So you know, this isn't super well known, but it's true. You can get API access to your character sheet mm-hmm. and tools like Shard can import characters from D&D Beyond into Shard with one click. 
by oh, feeding it the URL okay. and it pulls XML data off because it, the data is in XML. And I think it was mm. like two companies back when they created this thing. Mm. Uh, it's an unofficial API. It's used by, uh, there's a, a fellow that does it for Foundry to, to pull data over from D&D Beyond. So to that the could get shut down at any time. Well, it's been going for years. The guy's making $30,000 a month running this service and it's been maybe going no, for years. Maybe wizards just haven't noticed. Well, yeah, right. I hope they're not listening to the show. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, but it's not, it's not taking away their market share because you have to own the material on D&D Beyond to do the yeah. export. So yeah. it's not a situation of like, oh, all of the stuff that was up there for pay, you're getting for free. Mm. No, you still have to own it on Beyond to be able to import it into other tools. But mm-hmm. it gives you the option of using other tools instead of just hoping that you can use whatever, whatever yeah. Wizards decides to release in D&D Beyond. The other one was an import way. Wouldn't it be cool? And I know like it's hard to get, well, it's hard to get structured data from like A5E, except somebody's done it because they did it for Foundry. So there mm-hmm. is a structured version of, of, of A5E material out there. We actually used it to convert A5E mm-hmm. material from Foundry over to Open5E. So there's two versions of structured data that exist for, for A5E out there. Yeah. And wouldn't it be neat if there was a way to import like monsters or subclasses or spells or items from that into D&D Beyond into your collections page. So yeah, you're not releasing it to everybody. Yeah. It's just going to your homebrew section. But mm-hmm. instead of you having to type out seven fields worth of information, you have a little button and say import and it goes bang. Yeah. Well, when is Wizards going to get around to doing that? And the answer could probably never. But you know what else somebody could do is build a Google Chrome plugin that could do exactly that without Wizards even having to do, do it. Do you know do you know why I think that just like Beyond 20 happen, does. Though? Because when they start integrating that 3D virtual tabletop. Yeah, they need an every API. Every monster <laughs> is then also going to come with 3D graphics and animations and all sorts of stuff that that makes that even harder. Oh, well, it's so if you're importing stuff in order to get it to go into that, yeah. Yeah. Right, but I'm not even really worried about that. So much. first of all, I'm not even sure I'm worried about anything other than character option stuff because I mm. feel like sure they're gonna have a VTT. There's other VTTs. Even there's even other 3D VTTs. Right? There's there's lots of options there. So I don't feel like they're creating a real hard monopoly. First of all, I don't know. I would be surprised. Again, expert opinions are bullshit. But like, I don't think that many people are gonna use the VTT like they use Beyond. You're not gonna see 40 percent. I don't think so. I would be surprised if we saw 40% of people using the virtual tabletop, given that half of them play in person. <laughs> right? Well, like, yeah, that's, yeah. It's not yeah, going to dominate. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be like, I think roll 20 is going to suffer. Yeah. Fancy grounds. So people like that are going to, uh, you know, although they have their lock in too, right? We, we, we're, we're talking all about the, the dangers of being locked into a particular platform. And there's lots of people who threw expertise in the system, but also having mm. bought a lot of stuff, mm. aren't going to want to leave roll 20 because they already mm. know it so well. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be hard. I think, I don't think that's going to switch overnight. I think it's, you know, it could happen over years. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if it's enough. Yeah. I think there's a danger here also because it's, it's very easy to just sit here and sort of like just imagine that at Wizards is a bunch of Machiavellian moustache. Yeah. No. Turning villains. And, right. you know, we know that's not true. Yeah. We don't, right. they're, they're, yeah. No, nobody there is trying to be. Evil. No. You know, no. no I, I think they're just doing know. what they think is best for the game. And, we have a different of opinion on what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have three layers of management there at the CEO yeah. and level that have all come from Amazon and Microsoft. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> right? Like yeah. they are not, these people didn't come from the TTRPG industry. They came from the outside uh-huh. end. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. everybody from like, you know, the, in the design group, it, I'm, it, you know, like I'm really hoping that any of the designers aren't mad at me because I, I really respect their work. And I know that they mm. all, and many of the people we talk to and hear from genuinely care about the overall industry. Yeah. yeah but they did yeah. hire three executives to manage this thing. And they spent $150 million 
on D and D Beyond. Yes. They want a yeah. return on that, and they'll get that return, however they can get it. The the, the, the frequency with which we're asked, like, why can't we have a thing like D&D yeah, D&D like Beyond? sure, give us one hundred fifty million dollars, one hundred fifty million dollars. It's really right. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a hell of a Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then think about this: like, how much do you think it costs to make the core books? Do you think it costs one hundred and fifty million? No, no. Like, well, put it this way: we made all right. We probably didn't spend as much as they did because I don't, I don't know what they spent. But yeah. I, I, I would say our core books are are bigger, mm-hmm. but possibly they spend a bit more. Maybe they, they, they I am sure they pay um, more than we do. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a wash. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're not looking at millions. Are you are you able to give the amount of money that it actually cost you to make the core books i actually would if i could remember it okay. um, <laughs> sorry I, yeah I just, but it's um, probably not 15 million dollars it is no, not no, right it's, so it's, that means it's not even no. you know, and let's let, you're right so the idea that they they're not even spending a tenth of the amount of money they spend on dnd beyond to do the next yeah major iteration of the game i think is a telling yeah, you know i yeah. think that's a telling indicator of what kind of company they are now yeah yeah you know i think yeah. i think that that is i think that that's changed. i think there is like, beyond out there there are rivals to I say rivals in, in inverted quotes. Mm. Like um, there's Demi playing yep. out there, which I think is the closest. Yeah, yep. I think that also suffers a little from the problem that that is also you know they choose who they. So that's still it's still not open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not anyone can be on there. So it's yeah. still it's still a case of you have to sort of like be friends with somebody sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So and I haven't actually used Demi playing for D D, but I think they've got some five E stuff on there, haven't they? They do. Yeah. 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 And I, I so I, I reached out to them and said, Hey, you know, I'd love to talk more about Demi playing and get a better understanding of what they did. And they gave me a a, a license to be able to see the five E stuff that's there. Right mm. now it's a library, right? So right now mm. it's like you can get the Taldorai Reborn book, uh, Ghostfire. Like so, we talk about how Ghostfire got their products up on DD Beyond. They also have mm. them up on Demiplane, mm-hmm. yeah, and mm. different kinds of products. So the Monster Grimoire, which is the bigger book of monsters, they have a subset of it on Beyond, but they have the full version over on on Demiplane. Do, do you have a character builder one? No, so that's so they have character builders for other systems. Right. They have one for, I, I went and played with their Pathfinder second edition one just to see what their mm-hmm. character builder looked like. They mm-hmm. are planning on building a character builder for 5e. They already have mm-hmm. 5e stuff there. They yeah. they have the Tales of the Valiant playtest doc over yeah, there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're, they're clearly thinking in that direction. And Adam Bradford is, you know, I think running the show over there, right? And he's the guy that built D&D Beyond yeah. back yeah. in the olden days. And it looks very, very similar, right? Like the, mm. the, the tool itself is very similar. They yeah, still, yeah, yeah, yeah. from having poked at it, they still have a ways to go though. All the tools do, right? Like the reality is the Unity Beyond is by far the best of the tools that I've used <laughs> for yeah. this kind of thing. Like I've, yeah. I've been really trying to like, hey, now that uh, Roll20 now has the character, man- the character Mancer outside of the VTT. So you mm. can use just the character builder part of 5e, which includes not only Wizards of the Coast, D&D material because they have mm. a license over there but also other publishers like Cobble Press stuff so you can mix and match now like stuff from Tasha's and stuff from Toma Heroes and mix it yeah. together in one character but it's pretty clunky right like mm. it gets not as it's not nearly as clean as as what what D&D Beyond does Shard is another good one that uh, that I like a lot Shard has a good mobile support it's it it also lets you build characters outside of the VT. It's you know their VTT is so lightweight that you can ignore the VTT part and just do the character Use building the character part, building, yeah. and that works yeah. that works really well. And they brought in a lot of other uh, uh, other material as well. It's a smaller platform. It's not nearly as you know. I would like to scope see like something like Demi playing operating a bit like Droid through RPG and just being open for anyone to yeah 
at their stuff. But obviously, right. when it comes to character builders, which as we've said like repeatedly here, mm-hmm. yeah. are the big are the big it's, ticket it's thing. Yeah, I pro- like, probably the one that's closest would be roll twenty because roll twenty you can't have a character builder that's outside. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. do. I think you have to. You know, like I I publish stuff there. You know, it was a day for me to get a publisher account and start publishing stuff. But then you mm. you need somebody to go build it, that's right? You, yeah, yeah. You need somebody to go yeah, make it's all that stuff. Just and uploading that's, a that's PDF, cost. Is it? Yeah. yeah, it's not a matter. Right, exactly. It's not a matter of uploading a PDF. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, so one of I mean, it, it's a little bit of a you know pipe dream on my side. But the idea of having more structured versions of the material that companies are willing to license available. Mm for all publishers, I think would make the whole hobby stronger. So that I think you probably find that the will is there, but the maybe the technical expertise and the manpower sure. is yeah. like you said. I mean when I right. So I, I decided that you know in order to put my money where my mouth is that I do some volunteer mm. time over on Open Five E where I sit there and I convert monsters over from one format to another to get yeah. it into Open Five E. You know, and you look at like the people that are there and these are engineers who at their full-time jobs are probably making a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And they're volunteering to do that kind of, <laughs> that kind yeah, of activity yeah. over there because they believe in, in the work. So that's, mm. that's, you know, a costly endeavor yeah. from the, from human power. But my, um, my idea would be our, our tool site, obviously it's never going to rival D and D beyond because no. it's not $150 million no. tool site, but I would like it if, um, I mean, we've got our character builder being developed, it's mm-hmm. taking a long time because it's a big and very complicated yeah, thing hard. to do. Right. And we've got one person working on it as yeah. opposed to a $150 million team. <laughs> right. um, you know, so we've got one person working on it. But it is coming along and we've got something to show soon. I mean, also an API on that yeah, and on the actual rules content mm. yeah. as well yeah, so that it's all accessible. Mm-hmm. But that is such a technical challenge, like beyond even how I even know how you would go about doing that, mm-hmm. let alone knowing how to do it so yeah i wonder how much the future of rpg publishing you need to have somebody like that on your team you need to just have yeah yeah. maybe i mean i don't know because it's like i don't know if this is viable yet right like i think we could Mm. like i have this idea that it would be great yeah i don't know that it would help anybody like i don't i don't know if it would make a lot of money i I don't think it would make a lot right i don't know if it would return of its investment yeah but but it does feel like if we're but you know what else didn't have a good return on investment was releasing all of a5e thousand pages of a5e into the creative commons in pdf Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you guys didn't do that to you know scrape more dollars you did that because you believe in the industry and you believe in the product you made and you wanted more people to have access to it and to be able to do stuff with it beyond you and also additionally i think think i've heard you say that on the show before right but there's also there's also a slightly selfish element of that as well um in that i believe that a well-supported game is a successful game Mm -hmm. yeah and a third party market a robust third party market is important for that Mm -hmm. yeah that means there's so much more content coming out for it than we could possibly produce ourselves yeah yeah uh, and that's an important thing. So you know, I want to. I won't. I won't want to try and claim it's completely altruism. Yeah, sure. There is sure. altruism in there, right. definitely. And I do. You know, I. I even if that wasn't the case, yeah. I, I think open gaming is a thing I've supported for twenty years, right? And, and and will continue to. But you know, there's also solid practical reasons to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if the world is moving towards a digital space, mm-hmm. if mm. more, if we're having more and more dependence on tools overall, digital tools to support our rpgs and we still want to have an open and viable large you know ttrpg particularly again 5e ttrpg yeah industry i think i think us moving towards you know ensuring that our that the data we're putting out there that the material we're putting out there has a way to be 
digested in a structured format. Yeah. 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 can be you know can 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 help with that i mean i it was really nice so uh, i wrote a book forge of foes with scott gray and teo sabadia and one of the things mm. we said is we want to release a good chunk of this into the creative commons as well mm. we did so and immediate and i put it out in html and Im- immediately a, a member of the sly flesh discord server and anything like that is an engineer and took it and immediately turned it into like json and xml and other structured formats up on github yeah didn't need my permission to do so. Did it immediately, yeah. and then I took it back and started building tools off, off of the digital data that he created. So yeah. there's this really kind of great ecosystem that can exist when that's out there, and I think I think we're going to be more dependent on it. And the alternative is silos that we, we like you said we have, you know that that we have these these big walled gardens, and yeah. if it's yeah. in beyond, it exists, and if it's not in beyond, it doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, I think at our stage, the best that we can do for our game is. We can remove any legal impediment yeah. to people mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. But we haven't got the sort of expertise and the manpower to do it ourselves. Yeah. But the thing is, we're, you know, and, and you're saying that as, as, as the hobby moves towards a digital space, we're book publishers. That's what we know how right. to do. <laughs> right. You know, we know, we know how to make a book. Yeah. yeah. What we don't know how to do is to yeah. make software, software. Yeah. because we're yeah. not software right. developers. That's right. not our business. That's right. not the thing we've right. done. Right. And then when you get, when, 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 as the hobby moves towards that and that becomes more and more important, I think kind of RPG companies are going to have to start to pivot to being software developers who also make books. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. It's not there yet, thank goodness, because we're mean, not there yet. But I, I think yeah. eventually yeah. I mean, that's right. going to be the case. The, the good news for like A5E is A, people have already done it for you in at least two, mm. two instances. But I, I'm, when I look at A5E tools, that's structured data you have there. Mm-hmm. Like the, when I look up a monster, some of it is some of it it's isn't. not like yeah. you snapshot the pdf right no. there's there's clear delineation of what hit points are and what ability scores are and um like somebody uh, yeah. did that, that yeah that, <laughs> it's a web is, page. that is one text field though like there isn't an entry there saying hit points gotcha a it's like an it's html one, it's all the html yeah. in in this a is one, yeah so it's not as structured it. as it looks and gotcha. that's that's the that's the challenge that's the that's the hard part yeah 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 well the good news for a5e is it is structured over for Foundry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a fair bit of it. Not, I guess we've done some character-based stuff, but spells, monsters, and items, which are the, mm. kind of the big three, have all been converted on Open5e as well yeah, in a structured yeah, format. Yeah. Now, the thing with Open5e is there aren't any tools that are directly digesting information from Open5e into whatever tool they've got. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. it would have to be converted <laughs> yeah. again, yeah. right? But converting from one structured format to another is usually easier than taking it from a PDF into a so structured want, format. So what you want is something like Demiplane to pick that up. Yeah, right. Yeah. And take that API or even and like, use that. You know, even like a little converter. So there's like a little iOS app called Lion's Den, right? I don't know if mm. you've ever heard of like Lion's Den, but it's an iOS application. It was around before D&D Beyond. It mm. was the first digital tool that I used that I liked to manage mm. a fifth edition character. Mm-hmm. And the problem with it was it was, you know, it was one of these tools where like the only reasonable way to use it was uh, to use it illegally, that right. it had the SRD in there and it had an open format for including data. But you would mm-hmm. just go find somebody who had done the conversion of all of the copywritten stuff right. and put it in, in the XML yourself. and then you could load it and right. yourself yeah. and then you had yeah. like all the options in there. So that wasn't great. Mm. but being able to convert, it's still around and, and, you know, still operates and being able to take you know, data from one of these open sites or one of these open formats and convert it to that mm. is another option. So, so I think aim, aiming it so that it's not just focused on one application, because then you're just dependent mm. on one other tool. Yeah. Making it so that it's more open so that other, other tools can. Uh, the example mm. I think I brought up on the show with you last time I was here 
was a one called Clash, right? There, there's Albert Rodeo is a lightweight yeah, yeah, virtual yeah. tabletop. I tried it. I tried yeah, it. Yeah, and it has a plugin called Clash, and Clash actually has access to all the monsters from Cobalt Press, A5e, mm. uh, the the SRD, and these are all legal, yeah. right? These are all under under the yeah. licenses, and you could just add it right into this thing with like, and it was buggy and small because it was one person that ran it, and so it had. Problems. It kept on messing up the initiative for me. Right, <laughs> right. The initiative got really weird. Yeah. So anytime I moved tokens around, things would happen. But yeah, yeah. it was it, the fact that it could load it all in there and you could like click on numbers and have it roll mm. dice to roll damage and stuff like that. And that was one person. It was like a weekend experiment because they had access to thousands of records yeah. of uh, fifth edition material. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know I, what's going to, I don't know what the future is going to look like. I think, you know, going back to the sort of original topic kind of, I think, you know, I, I would rather see a less centralized yeah. hobby. Yeah. Not, not. Uh, I'm not saying I want to see a less centralized game. Wizards owns D&D. Fine, I agree. They are they are the current custodians of that brand. Right. But the hobby itself, I think, has to be as open as possible. And I also think that the industry of the hobby, as opposed to the industry of D&D, right. has to be as open as possible. And there is a distinction between owning the brand D&D and playing. Well, 5e, yeah. for example. Right. That, in my mind, is a different thing. And I realize it's not for everyone. To a lot of people, right. it's the same that's, thing. That's cool. And possibly in Wizard's mind, it's the same thing, maybe. And maybe that's right. where the disconnect is. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know either. And I guess what I don't want to see happen is for them to have an outsized draw in the hobby that's mm. bigger than what they already have as the dominant player. Mm. like they are the dominant player and i'm not and also they put out yeah. a lot of outstanding products they put out products that i absolutely love so like uh, you know and, and that's and that's what i want right i want them to be putting out outstanding products and when when kyle brink was going and doing his his circuit of different talks he was saying like i want to compete fairly he's like i feel like the design team we have at wizards of the coast is the best in the world and i want to compete fairly when we're making products uh and i'm like great but you can't compete fairly if you own the marketplace yeah. right, you can't that own, makes right. it impossible even to compete fairly because <laughs> right. you have the advantage but if, yeah. if 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 they didn't let's just in a hypothetical world if they didn't have dnd beyond if it didn't exist they would be because like a book is a book is a yeah. book like even, right, even yeah. the fact that this one is you know there's there's if you look at how much money i mean they're trying to be a billion dollar brand right mm. so if you take a book like uh shattered obelisk and you set it next to another another book. I'll, I'll pick Dungeons of Drakenheim just because it's in my head. You know, yeah. and you put them side by side. You don't see one that's one hundred times yeah. better, no, right? Yeah, of course, yeah, you yeah, see, yeah. like, oh no, the production quality on it's really, really good. You know, it's got the cool glossy cover where parts of it are opaque and parts of it's glossy. I really like the art design. I really like, you know, it's very, very good. Drakenheim is also really good. Mm. Right, it's also an outstanding book, and 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 definitely, I would stack Drakenheim higher than other books that Wizards has done, just yeah. from a design perspective, because I enjoy the adventure more. Well, I think, I mean, and that's a truism. Well, you know, whether yeah. you're talking about restaurants or you're talking about cars or whatever, right. a smaller company won't necessarily can make a better product than the bigger company. That's right. You, right. You know, right. Like you can make a, a better Ferrari. Product. Ferrari and, is and, a smaller not... company than Ford. <laughs> right. Rolex is a smaller company than I name another watch company. I can't make one, but Cass um, Casio. <laughs> Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, when it's competing from a, a product by product basis, then you're like, yeah, absolutely. And I would want Wizards products to be great. Mm. It's when they can find a way to overweight their influence in the hobby, even though they're the dominant player. That's where I feel yeah. like the hobby yeah. becomes more fragile. And I, I want a resilient hobby, not a fragile yeah. hobby. You see, you get people arguing, you get the sort of like ultra capitalist kind of arguing against this. And they say, well, Wizards are just making a better product than you. You either compete or you don't, and and that's it. Right. 
and uh, you know, and, and they see no no problems of sort of like monopolies and things like that. But the thing is, that is a topic which mm-hmm. is so big. You know, the, co- the, yeah. co- the 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 concept of monopolies and market power and stuff that is so big goes back so many decades. I've got every industry that has means of legislation about it. Right. The, like the e yeah, suing Apple, on Apple yeah. right now. And, right. you know, it's not, a, it's, it's not a trivial topic. It has so much nuance to it. Right. That you can't just sit down and just go, Oh, it's like this black and white, blah, blah, blah. It's not. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. why would it be a massive, massive legal cultural day over decades? Yeah. And over I, every, over every industry on the planet. Right. I also feel like we can do something here. Mm. Right. That like it, this is a small enough hobby that I feel like, you know, by having people figure out like when people wrote Beyond 20, hey, we wrote a plugin that sits on top of D&D Beyond and lets you use your D&D Beyond stuff in Roll20. We built integration between two platforms that don't talk to each other mm. to, to have that work, that people are able to make things mm. that are, you know, that that you can't have in other places. Right. That. You know, like I, I did, right, 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 you know, in some of the conversations I've had in many different platforms where people have said like, well, Apple does this all the time. And you're like, why yeah. are we using them as the good example? The good guys. Right? Like, you know, yes, they do. We kind of don't want it. Or Amazon. Oh, you say the same thing about Amazon. I'm like, yeah, well, A, Amazon's not my number one competitor for the product I'm making. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also, why is that? Why are they a good example? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. These, are, these are things we don't want, Right. They killed I mean, all the bookstores. And you've not noticed that these companies are embroiled in lawsuits. Right. Continually. <laughs> they're getting sued over like it. At so. any given time. Right. You know, they, they've got 10 major lawsuits going on in various jurisdictions. Right. Why world. don't we try yeah. to find a way yeah. to not yeah. go there while we have the chance, right? Like, yeah. I'm bringing it up before it's a problem because mm. we can do something about it. Once it's yeah. a problem, we're out yeah. of luck. So, and I don't even know. Like, they're, 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 I did wake up after like a week of arguing about this with people. Arguing, mm. but t- discussing yeah. it. And I was like, is it really a problem? <laughs> right? Like, what if I just let my players use whatever they want to play and I can bring to them and say, hey, I, you know, we would like to use A5E, but A5E is directly compatible with 2014 D&D. So if you want to make a 2014 D&D character, you can go do that. If you want to play A5E, here's a copy of the book. You know, you can make an A5E character and, mm. and, and just let them pick. Right. And as long as as a GM, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to open the game up to these other options and mm. I'm going to tell you how do you can use them and, and why you might want to use them. But like the players can play the game however they want to play, yeah. and and yeah. if they choose to go with Beyond, then they that's what they choose, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then, but I would also say the alternative, and this is like a D and D Beyond problem. Is I also would say, by the way, you can't just use every single option that's on D and D Beyond now, mm-hmm. even though the tool lets you use every single option that's available. Yeah, you need solid filtering functions. Yeah. They don't Total have one. Yeah, yeah, their filtering function is broke. Like they they have a fake one that looks like you can filter stuff, and it turns out mm. you can't. Oh really? <laughs> it turns out, like, and yes. No, so there's a way in if yeah, so there's a so little and God, every time I talk about this on YouTube, I get a bunch of comments saying you're wrong. And I'm like, go look. And they're like, oh no, you're right. So in the campaign section, you can limit sources yeah. and say, I don't want my players to be able to view these sources. Mm-hmm. That just means that they when they go to the compendium, it's not listed in their compendium. But if they go right. into the character builder and either they own it or you own it, those options are available in the character builder and they don't know where it came from. Oh, right, that's right. true. Because that, I just did that. I built a character for a campaign and they'd put limiters on it. And I assumed using the character builder that it would do that for me. Right. 
It does not. And it yeah. Maybe it, and, and like if you, in the subclasses, yeah. they don't even list the source that it came from. Yeah. I think spells mm. and other ones do, but like the so, the, the subclasses, it's yeah, like, it doesn't. they're all over the place. So I, I, right, I, I had one where I said- I just what was available was pre-filtered. Right, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, not. thank yeah. you. That's yeah. an, I've learned something today. Yeah. And I think that this is why there's so much discussion about spells like silvery barbs, mm. right? So like there's, you know, Wizards puts out a spell, the spell, you know, one could argue it is or isn't overpowered. Mm -hmm. or whatever but it certainly caused a lot of conversations all over the internet mm -hmm. for a long time yeah. and mm -hmm. you're like this is one spell that was done in one magic the gathering source book right that was published two years ago why do we even care mm -hmm. and their answer is because it shows up in D, &D beyond all the time and it's better than every other spell you could pick of that level so the mm -hmm. fact that it came from a strixhaven doesn't matter yeah they expect your players expect well it's on D, D beyond i assume i can use that spell yeah, and that's, that's why you see like toll the dead Everybody uses every cleric uses Toll the Dead because Toll the Dead's a D10, and that's way mm. better than the D8s that you normally get. I'm, I'm yeah. so, so surprised. Like, yeah. I really thought I, I naively thought that the system did filter that out because I know I've had. Um, it's not naive. Everyone believes it. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. trust me. The and you will get email. Maybe you'll get email. Oh, Mike Shea's wrong. You can totally filter it out. We'll and forward they it to you. Actually... We'll forward it to you. Don't worry. Yeah. No, that's. Oh, that's interesting. I hear it all the time. I, anyway. I, I, I'm so... And one day I'll be wrong. And I hope to be because that means you can filter stuff. In DDB yeah, I love it if that's happened because I I thought you could because I know there's so many DMs that like to include things or not include things. Like my DM doesn't like right. the lucky feet because they're just like that's oh I, yeah I'm with them yeah. on that and, yeah. and that's fair enough. But when we're doing <laughs> session zero, they're like, hey, when you make your characters, don't do that. <laughs> right. And right. I thought D and D Beyond would have had the option to just give gems that control, but um, shows what I know. Well, certainly yeah. if you're adding third-party content as well, you definitely need to be able to filter that stuff. Yeah. yeah they're going to have to. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't think they've had... So they've added spells, like the the, the new... I think for both the Tal'Darai setting and for the Ghostfire stuff that just went up, included new spells that are now part of the spell compendium inside... The right. And you can't filter them out. And, and that would mean they would just show up if you had them. Now, they only show up if either the GM owns it or the player owns okay. it. They won't show up otherwise. What about the two new books that just went up then? Are they, they're not in the compendium. Yes. Yeah. So, the, 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 yeah, the Ghostfire, I can't remember the name of it. It was a Ghostfire book that had a whole bunch of adventures in it. Yeah. And that that is in there and it had spells and those spells and monsters are part of the compendium part. Oh, right. Okay. So that's yeah. why I say that it's, you, it's not just a question of like drive through RPG and uploading a PDF. It's a... It's, it's a technical integration thing. Yes, and they, they did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, my, yeah. My understanding is that like it was sort of a mixture of both companies working together hmm. from the direct InDesign files that were used by Ghostfire to publish the book. So, yeah. it, you know, they, they, it was not hands-off for either group. Both groups yeah. had to do yeah. work in order to get it up there. Yeah. It wasn't nearly like going to drive through RPG and saying, I want to sell a PDF. And yeah, no, yeah. no human being, no human being on the other side is even aware that you're yeah. doing so. It's just going to be interesting that the whole barriers of entry thing, the sort of like in about 2000, there was also, oh, the barriers of entry are coming yeah. down. There's an open gaming license so we can write stuff. And, and like desktop publishing has got to the point where we can quite easily make a book look really nice from home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can put it on drive through RPG and actually sell it because yeah. there's a storefront there that sells RPGs. And all these things kind of came and together and then Kickstarter yeah. came along and those, yeah, yeah crowdfunding along is and huge. Like, oh, Patreon. Yeah. yeah. And all this stuff, the barriers of entry. We're coming down and down and down, and more and more people were getting access to the industry side of yeah. of the hobby. And now I feel like the barriers of entry are going to start going I, up and up I, and up again I, because that doing that is not going to be enough anymore. You're going to have to do the technical mm -hmm. stuff and have entry to specific platforms to be viable. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't. May, maybe. I mean, the idea that Shadow Dark, an independent RPG, had to have a digital, and they're like, it's super easy to make a Shadow Dark character, and they mm. still built a digital tool. Yeah. And um, or, or a person built one as a fan, and then Kelsey purchased it and made them an official mm. tool for for Shadow Dark. So they have a you know the idea that the super lightweight old school yeah. style RPG also has a digital yeah. digital tool is pretty telling. But I think like. I don't want to over I don't want to overemphasize this problem compared to like what we faced a year ago mm. because releasing the 5.1 SRD in the Creative Commons is such a bigger deal to open up the whole hobby than anything mm. that they can do with the Indie Beyond to try to limit sure. it further. Mm -hmm. Like they're not comparable, right? Because we can build all kinds of stuff. We could, you know, you and I could just say, "Okay, we're just going to take all the money we've got and build a digital tool and nobody could stop us from trying." Sure. Right? And and so that they they, they well uh, right. we need 150 million yeah we need um, 150 million how, how much million of that dollars. have you got only because capitalism not, is not stopping a lot. us <laughs> right not a lot yeah but but we could we could just start a crowdfunding campaign and we'll yeah and make 150 million. yeah we get 150 million yeah. yeah probably on the first day I imagine yeah probably yeah 75 on the do first you, day do you know what I think if a viable person came along and did a crowdfunding campaign literally saying we are going to make an open version competitors in the beyond that's going to be as big has all these publishers signed up already yeah. i reckon it would do a killing i really would maybe i'll be yeah. tempted to sign up maybe. as a publisher so if you're thinking of doing that so in December, well, yeah, i suppose that's what demi i guess that's yeah. what demi plane is then i suppose yeah. really though isn't it yeah, yeah. there's yeah. there's another side for me which is like as gms my focus is always like i mean i'm a publisher you mm -hmm. know yeah. Not, not quite like you guys. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Our, yeah. I think our focus is slightly different. Yeah. I had to deal with that earlier today, <laughs> but I try to really keep my mind focused on like what GMs, what mm. affects GMs, yeah. and you know there are things that GMs can do in this situation to try to make their version of the hobby stronger. Like you know, one one I wrote is Ghostfire is super happy that you can buy their product over on DD Beyond. Why don't you go buy it on their website instead? Because they're almost mm. certainly making more money, and you get a PDF that you can download and keep. Yeah. Right, mm. so maybe go buy it directly from the customer that that's you're that's actually making the, that making what the material. The, what the royalty cut is on that? I, I guarantee it's not as good as their own. I bet it's about fifty percent. I bet you. I would bet seventy thirty. I bet it's the the typical Apple. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's fifty. I don't think it's got distributed. The Apple slash yeah. Amazon seventy thirty. I can tell you well, that they DMs, were happy. But DM, DM's Guild is fifty. Yeah, but nobody's likes that like, <laughs> nobody so, likes so dungeon dudes well, yeah. the, the dungeon dudes said, <laughs> nobody, nobody likes paying royalties not... <laughs> well so dungeon dudes said we were we were fairly treated right so i don't think they would have said that if it was 50 percent. right i think you know maybe but they would be pretty naive if they mm. and i don't think they are well, to, to think I, that a 50 percent. I, I have no idea what it was i'm just guessing oh. um but. also re recognize that like of the 50 percent that's charged for dm's guild 30 percent of that is going to one bookshelf and 20 percent sure, is going to wizards that's true. That's so true. wizards could just charge 20 percent yeah it would look great and they would be making the same money they made mm. they made elsewhere roughly get credit card yeah. transaction fees and stuff yeah. like that um I think, so, so yeah um, the things that gms could do like buy buy pdfs mm -hmm. so that you actually own the thing that you bought right and and go and try to buy it from the companies that actually made the thing Instead of going through a third party, so that you are giving them the bigger cut that they would that they would make, bring those character, bring other five E material from other publishers to your game. Even mm. if your players don't want to grab onto it, say, "Hey, this is another option that you can use," mm -hmm. and bring those other options to people and, and let them actually see it. 
You know, normalize I think, it. Yeah. Yeah. Normalize it. Right. Right. Break the idea that wizard stuff is the good official stuff and everything else is homebrew crap. It's a dupe. Yeah. Right. Like, mm. yeah, we, we get a lot. I, I, I definitely feel like people think that I, I, I hear it from people that, oh, the wizard stuff has been through this like tremendous like amount of testing and really good design. You're like, nah, I got, I got lots of examples of things mm. that are a mess. And boy, and not to, you know, you know, butter up my hosts here, no, but like there isn't anything I have found in A5E that hasn't been better than what I have found in the 2014 books. Oh. You know, like I don't, you know, I have been using the A5E Monsters Menagerie now pretty solidly for more than a year and mm. my players wouldn't even know that I switched, mm. but I know and I love the A5E uh, set the, the, set the monster encounters are more fun. <laughs> Yes, right. There, there's that's, that's how they would know. <laughs> right. We're having 10% more fun than we were two years overall ago. Overall <laughs> enjoyment. I, I did. I did. Right. So using the survey technologies, I've done, overall enjoyment has gone up 7% <laughs> since you, I've yeah. used the, yeah. The, 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 you know, the, the trial, trial, look, I got them right here, right? Trials and Treasure. Woo. Great book. Right, I love the random encounter tables. I've actually spent a lot of time messing around with the, with the, treasure, the treasure tables in here. Mm. I, I have a feeling there are things... That the monster monsters menagerie in particular, because it's my you know it's my favorite monster mm-hmm. book, and and I think there are things in there that I don't know that Wizards is going to grab onto, like the idea of having treasure tied to monsters, having the mm. the knowledge checks that are wired right in, having a list of potential encounters that are there on top of really well designed monsters that whose math yeah. works out much better. I, mean, I don't think any of those ideas are new. I think people have done all of those things together. It's just that we grab them all and put them in the same. Yeah, right. I haven't seen it all in one book that covers the core monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. What was my point? Was buttering up about how great A5V is. Um, <laughs> That's fine. So I just, you know, so I want to, I want to, you know, I want people, oh yeah, just comp- the idea that wizard stuff is better mm-hmm. is mm. false, it, right? And they, sometimes it is, mm-hmm. right? Depending on what you're looking at and what you're comparing, sometimes it's not. Is mm. they, they, if you were to pretend that all of the publishers are really even Steven, they're a really good publisher, mm. right? Like they're, mm-hmm. the quality of their material is great. Their art direction is yeah. Honestly, I think it's the best in the industry. Yeah, production values are fantastic. Production yeah. values are tremendously good. Design, though, mm. can be hit or miss. Yeah. And I don't think it's because the designers aren't really, really good and working really hard. I think that the process that they've established internally is such that sometimes good design doesn't necessarily hit the book by the time it needs yeah. to hit production. Well, I also think there's a ceiling where, you know, you nothing is ever going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And quite a lot of things are going to be very good. Yes, and all those right. things that are very good are going to be roughly on a par. Right. None of them are ever going to be perfect. Yeah. So there's quite yeah. a lot of stuff out there that is very good. Yes, at that yeah. point, uh, you know. Yeah, and, and I yeah. And certainly like you know, as I've been part of my you know many jobs is is doing spotlights on RPG products, and I do spotlights mm. on Wizards products. And, you know, I don't think I've hit any that was like, this is a complete disaster, right? Like this whole mm. thing was. It would have been better if it wasn't made. I don't think I've hit that. I've hit adventures yeah. where I'm like, it's probably not worth running this adventure. Yeah, right? yeah, and then sometimes it's like that sort of fan, you know, toxic fan problem of like, well, that wasn't the planescape I wanted, right? Mm. And they're going to have to face that more than anybody else is going to face it because they're the one that actually owns the idea. Yeah, to yeah. Make a planescape book, mm. but like, I don't know. We we get told off when we give stuff away for free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your tokens, your free two thousand tokens, aren't good enough. So we put a uh, archetype up on the um, level up website for free. Yeah. Just because that's like, you know, writing a blog for an like, I'll put an archetype up. Right. And someone was very, very upset mm-hmm. that it was there and it wasn't in Gate Pass Gazette because that means 
I have to look in three places now. <laughs> okay. We put it on the tour site. Yeah. It's on there as well. So and it's on the tour site it's as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and you don't have to. Like, yeah. you know, you don't, there's a lot of subclasses in the world yeah. these days. Actually, I yeah. think that's one of the real strengths of 5e is subclasses is a fantastic way to keep the game fresh. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, that idea that there are thousands of subclasses. So yeah. that idea of like, oh, if it's not in Xanathar's or Tasha's, it doesn't exist. That mm. to me is a problem yeah. because there are so many subclasses that can that can really... I, I'm, I'm playing a Cobalt Press Midgard-based mm-hmm. game now. Mm. And we're using all subclasses from that from from Midgard Midgard books and everything else, and it tailors and the, the game. Of that sort of stuff is look, that sort of stuff is it's not like writing a whole brand new rule system, which right. is really hard to balance and make. Making subclasses for D and D, it's like one is, I don't want to say it's yeah. easy, but the hard work has been done for mm-hmm. you. The core the core mechanics have been set and established for you. So while you can make a totally rubbish, unbalanced, broken mm-hmm. one, right? It's quite easy not to. Yeah. Yeah. So. When people come around and sort of say a third-party product's not going to be as as fifth, balanced, fifth like, edition, but, fifth but, edition product, but but but, but, but yeah, uh, fifth edition <laughs> products, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I said. Yeah, um, I forgot what I was saying. Now, if um, I can't if I can't get you to yeah. change from third-party, I can't get anybody to change. <laughs> yeah, true. No, fair, fair. The the core foundation of the game is robust enough that unless you're being really egregious, it is actually quite hard to put really, really, really broken stuff out there. If you're doing due diligence on your, yeah. on, on the work you're doing. So most of the stuff that's out there for 5e that anyone's put a decent amount of effort in is going to be fairly fine because just the, the core system it's based on is. Yeah. So, Fair I mean, obviously you can write something silly. You yeah. can say, Oh, this, I think this, I could do it. I think I could. 10 million damage and. But I think I could write sure something could, bad just, and unbalanced. I, I think I could. I'm I'm sure. Well, it, it's interesting because like uh, there are plenty of bad and imbalanced subclasses mm-hmm. in both you know that wizards has published and other publishers have published but gms can kind of decide which ones we want to bring yeah. like i i don't allow peace or twilight clerics right mm. like they're those they disrupt i've i've had one and it disrupted my game it made my game worse mm-hmm. so you know it, it's kind of up to the idea that publishers can put lots of them out mm. there with the recognition that gms get to yeah. choose which ones hit the mm. table and which ones yeah, don't but i feel like tools like dnd bound make that harder mm-hmm. to do it's yeah. harder to bring in ones that aren't in there and it's hard to keep ones out that are in there and that's that's an issue so have we have we resolved anything then have we solved have we solved this meta crisis as it uh, were? no no <laughs> boy, boy did we talk about it a lot <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, yeah yeah i mean you know we don't know what's going to happen but i do think there are things we can do like yeah the, and yeah. I, we can't trust watsi to do it but we can do things and and, yeah. and i think if we if we you know, both as GMs I, and as publishers and everything else, I think there are ways that yeah. we can make our. I, our I just feel that resilient. that that collection of industry roles combined into one entity. It's risky. Yeah, makes it no matter how nice the people are doing that, you don't know how nice the next people are mm-hmm. going to be. Or not nice. Yeah. You know, you don't know the or wizard Hasbro is not going to sell wizards to Elon Musk. Yeah, you know, you don't, right? You know, you don't know that. I I did have that. Like, it's kind of a you nightmare know? scenario. But like yeah. the idea that wizards. So I totally agree with the changes that they made to the player's handbook. Teo Sabadia mm. documented it on Alpha Stream and showed how they're using better representative language sure. in the 2014 books, which is a little weird because it's like, why are you modifying the 2014 books months when away be from, redundant. Yeah. From, from releasing another one? But imagine if it was the other way and imagine if like a super conservative group ended up taking over through mm. what, you know, pieing it. And they're like, yeah, we're taking all of, you know, all homosexual characters. Or we're, we we right, can't, yeah, we yeah. don't want those yeah. in there. 
right? Like that'd be terrible. And it's the same power, right? It's the same, mm. you know, it's yeah, the yeah. it's the same situation that would allow one or the other. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I definitely, I saw that was a big conversation that was on EN World's forums as well. Mm. And I definitely agree with the people that are like, look, it's their company. It's their tool. They can do what they sure. want with it. And I'm like, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, obviously you think, I think you probably view it slightly more from, uh, sort of community angle and I view it slightly more from a publisher angle just from the way we look at this particular issue and um, just because of the way it affects us. I mean, sure. the, the idea that we'd be so dependent on the whim yeah. of a larger company who has fluctuated in the way it acts over the last 20 years drastically um, is, is, you know, it's is, is intimidating, I yeah. guess, is the word. Like, they, they control, they control the only viable marketplace and uh, because yeah. nobody else will use anything else and they they control the license and they control this and that and yeah you know they control everything it's yeah and, and i, I, I think there i, I think there are some pretty easy head experiments to run that can tell you that can show you what this control is like one of them is and mm. we can you know again using a5e as an example what do you how would you compare the likelihood of getting level up advanced 5e up on demiplane compared to getting level up advanced 5e up on dnd beyond I would guess it's pretty much zero on both. <laughs> I mean, do you do you think it's equally <laughs> likely that you wouldn't be on one I or suppose, the other? I suppose Demiplane would probably be more receptive. I have receptive. had a conversation with the people at Demiplane. I have not had a conversation with people at D&D Beyond, so yes. I mean, can you just imagine yeah. them putting a competing version of 5e up on D&D Beyond? Well, no. And I, but, um, we... I can't imagine they would want to do that. <laughs> if you think about it, though, the likelihood... That I mean, they already have numerous different systems up on Demiplane. Mm. We know that D and D Beyond is not going to put up num- They're not going to put up Cortex systems. No, they're not no, going to put Pathfinder no. on there, mm. right? They're already. They're, of course, they're going to be focused on the, their game because it's their mm. platform. It makes perfect sense that they would. But the idea that we have two similar platforms, one mm. that is open to bringing on other versions of Five E, and one that isn't, is shows. Well, the kind of limitation on well, the Well, that's the, the ideal tool. situation, is it? And that's kind of like what I would hope for Demiplane is that it does become a serious rival yeah. to D&D Beyond to yeah. the point yeah. where when you're sitting down for a game with people, they go, oh, we're using D&D Beyond or Demiplane for this one. Yeah. Right. And, and that's a serious conversation. Yeah. Like, right. you know, it is an actual right. option that they, they yeah. people will consider doing. And, and people will say, oh, well, we could use D&D Beyond because I do like their DTT that's built in. And someone else will go, oh, but I, I'd like to use Demiplane because it's got all the third party stuff on it. So which one should we use? Uh, you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's an actual valid conversation to be having. That's what yeah. I would hope yeah. for that. But still, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think we have run way, we're like half an hour. Yeah, over and we still used all the, the, all the oxygen well. in my room has been taken out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think we need to call yeah. it there. Luckily, we've sold everything. So yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely. There are now no more problems in the RPG industry. I'm glad to say. Yay! Money's going to start <laughs> flowing into all of us. Yeah. If only. If only. <laughs> Yay! So yeah, thank you so much for coming yes. on. Mike. I always love it. Yeah, I'm sorry on. for like burning two and a half hours on your <laughs> long podcast. Poor Daryl is going to need to edit you this. Can- no, it's always it's always a pleasure, Mike. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, so, no, and you, you, and uh, I, I appreciate that there are our email correspondence on these topics too. It's, yeah. it's really always always great. And like I said, huge fan of you. Bye, 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 bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org.
You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Spending more time over on EN World, I've really enjoyed the forum more than I have in a long time. So, yeah. And I hope Elon Musk doesn't buy EN World out for. Well, we are talking to you know, about it. You know, yeah. I, I, I will say, I, I, uh, I, I do have morals, I do have ethics, but I do have a price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>